With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. for coming to Bard's Logic, Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Uh, tonight we are going to uh, talk about a number of things uh, with our guests uh, when they call in. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, we know that the Obamacare repeal has failed, uh, which to this host is not actually a surprise, and, and part of me is kind of thankful for it. Um, I was kind of in line with a lot of what the uh, uh, Freedom Caucus uh, was against it. Uh, I don't think it did enough. I think it kept too, too many other things in there uh, as well. I think they tried to rush it through. Uh, so that's uh, – I think it, it's going to need, need more time. You know, I mean, a, they rushed it down our throats, and we complained about it. Remember, folks? You know, how, you know, we felt rushed that the Democrats, you know, and how they pushed uh, Obamacare down our throats. Well, I don't think that we would be uh, much better off if we were to do the same with it to repeal. And, of course, with them, they're like, well, we got to pass it to see what's in it, whereas the Republicans were not saying that. Uh, they still were of the mind where, well, we'll just get rid of it, <laughs> excuse me, and we'll work, uh, work it in stages. And so, you know, I think they need to come up with a better plan. I think they're kind of trying to rush, uh, rush it, you know, on, on the, just to say, okay, well, this is another thing uh, that, you know, we got done. And so I think that's why we got a bill uh, that failed. And so also uh, tonight we're going to be talking about that. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, I apologize for uh, missing last week. I'll just, as you can probably tell, still recovering from this bug that's been going around. It was awful. I was literally probably in bed or on a couch for an entire two rooms three days uh, with this, and unfortunately still not uh, fully 100% covered, uh, recovered. But anyway, so we're going to talk about that, and of course we all know we're still hearing, even though there's not any, uh, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> see what I mean? 
uh, any evidence of, you know, Trump uh, campaign uh, colluding with the Russians. Of course, you still have your uh, liberals out there touting it and trying uh, to do it. And then, of course, to counter that, uh, the Bush Bush, Trump administration, you know, is out there talking about, you know, the possible, uh, of course, the leaks and also the uh, wiretapping, you know, of uh, Trump Tower and, 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 you know, Trump surrogates, things of that nature. And so, uh, Susan, I do see uh, see you there. We'll get you in the line. We also see some other folks push the one on your number dial, and I'll get you into the show. And so we're going to uh, talk about that. And as well as I got some good news earlier uh, this week about a bill that uh, President uh, President Trump signed about giving $19 billion over, uh, you know, to have them allocate to NASA. And so we'll talk uh, more about that, which uh, I'm pretty excited about. Uh, now the uh, president of SpaceX, uh, I can't remember his name at the time, he, he wasn't too thrilled about it, saying it wasn't going to do, you know, much for getting uh, us to Mars. But we'll we'll see and talk more about that in the upcoming uh, segment. And so those are the three things we'll talk about. And also so tonight uh, we are looking forward to having Jeff George. Uh, not Jeff George. Why am I saying Jeff George? Jeff Jones uh, back on the show. I guess I need more recovery than I thought. And also, as well as having uh, Jim Conner Jr. Uh, back on the show as well. But first, let's go, go ahead and open up the lines. And I think we have uh, Jeff here. So let's go ahead and open this mic. Thank you very much, Jeff, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hello, uh, Robert. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. As I said, I'm excuse me, okay, still recovering. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> do, do we have? We seem to have a delay. Let me see if I take. I will take you off speaker uh, phone and um, and uh, access you uh, just ear to ear. There we go. Hopefully that's better. Sounds good. Good. Yeah. I mean, just you know, just recovering. I mean, I was, I was hoping to uh, share last week, but unfortunately, I was I just was unable to do so. I just as I said, I was, I was bedridden for three days, and yeah, you know, still well, still trying to cover. Hopefully, I'll be. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling much better, but it's still not 100%. Hopefully, I will be by Friday. Uh, so first, before we get, you know, jump to our topics for tonight, uh, and you know, you'll be with us tonight to, uh, you know, for your commentary of that, tell us uh, what you've been uh, up to since the last time you've been on the show. Well, you know, we, I ran in 2016 um, against Debbie Dingle here in the 12th. Um, I received almost 100,000 votes, which was uh, the most, uh, Republicans ever received in the 12th district here. Um, so um, we hit some th- pretty interesting targets. We had some history. Uh, uh, we had some special goals that we wanted to accomplish, and that was uh, bridging um, bridging community. And um, and I had about 30 to 35,000 Democrats that voted for me. There's only 80,000 registered Republicans in the 12th district. And so to receive 100,000 votes, we know only about 60 to 65,000 um, actually cast a vote for me, and then um, so so it was a good thing uh, that I was able to reach uh, into that community. And uh, since we did so well, we really believe that 150,000 votes will win the midterm, and so uh, we've been stampeding uh, towards that for 2018. And um, I'm probably even working harder than I did in 2016 already. So we're 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 hopefully 20 months ahead, and. Um, and working towards uh, better things for our community. 
and, and be frank with you, Jeff, I just can't believe we're already, you know, just talking about elections already. I mean, <laughs> I feel like we just got everyone except for the grueling election, uh, at least nationally, uh, that we that, that we just went through. And, and I, I kind of think we're st- I kind of feel like we're still going through it uh, because what we're you know still dealing with the the Democrats uh, and the media and the way they are, they just will not accept Donald Trump, uh, which I still get tickled when I hear it when I hear it and say it. Is our president? They just can't. They just can't get over it. I, I just spoke at the Capitol on Saturday here in Lansing, Michigan, with Senator Patrick Kolbeck for uh, a "Make America Great Again" rally on the steps, and we had a good turnout despite the rain and the cold uh, weather. Um, but we had we had another fifty percent uh, uh, out there that was protesting. They and they basically are known as anarchists. Supreme or something like this. I don't know. They're they're paid performers, and it's quite it was quite the joke. Um, just they're pro, they're there only for one thing, and that was to disrupt disrupt hearing the truth. They just want to get in front of the truth because they're so afraid of it. Well, I mean, I just, they just can't believe. I mean, I mean, even Maxine Waters is saying that, you know, her mission now is for Donald Trump not to be president of the United States anymore. I mean, that's her mission. It's not to represent her constituents. It's to and now, of course, where you know it probably is, you know, in a large part representing her constituents uh, to, to try to do that. But I mean, but that's what she says is her mission now. That is her. I guess that's yeah. her goal in life is to be uh, is to is to get uh, Trump out of office. Yeah, people are openly ugly, and I, again, I just think that it is it is still the blindness of of progressives. I mean, it wasn't enough for what did happen to be so obvious that, and, and even, even then, uh, you know, even out of Washington as, as a whole, you know, that, um, you know, there's still division inside, you know, the Republican camp a little bit. I wish it wasn't there. Um, I don't know what, oh, they, yeah, yeah, you're right, what they want, you know, and, and so it, it frustrates me only because I, you know, I've been on, I've been on that side having, it's hard enough to fight the battle that I have to fight being so outnumbered, you know, in my community, in my, in the 12th district here, let alone to have to, you know, battle a little bit, you know, within the party to, and you got to be careful. You say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And, you know, Democrats and Republicans have one distinct difference. Democrats, I don't care how progressive, how ridiculous, how far left over the chart, moronic and unconstitutional you can be, Democrats will still vote for a Democrat. Now, Republicans are a little bit different. You, they got to be, they got to be ten, of, they got to be ten out of ten for you, but they ignore you. They just won't vote for you. It's just a little more fickle. But hey, that's the battle across the country. And again, I think that uh, I still think I think it's settling. Um, I I, do, I really believe that this uh, uh, this the, the health care repeal uh, uh, failure was probably more of a planned event. Um, certainly, they've had eight years to prepare for it, and everybody keeps saying the same well, they thing. Even voted, but in 2015, didn't they actually vote it down, have the votes, but uh, to, to to repeal it? But of course, you know, it was uh, it was vetoed by by Obama. I mean, didn't they succeed in again having the votes to repeal it in 2015? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, again, and so I think that there's a you know, um, 
I, I think the problem is still because when you you know when you when when this thing rolled out, it still has things missing. It has things that should go. Um, it's still selective on who wins. Um, and I'm sorry, I, I understand. I'm I'm not an expert at this, but I understand Machiavellianism. And so, if you can create your own enemy, you can control your enemy. And so, unfortunately, that is politics today. Create your own enemy so that you can control it. And and when we we look at we look at the at how, for instance, some of the big dogs, you know, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, Kaiser Permanente, um, United Healthcare, you know, they had some massive growth. Um, Kaiser Permanente like grew their revenues from like 2.6 billion, almost 50 billion dollars. You know, um, since its introduction, uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield has raised their rates 30 to 32 percent, and that's that's only one portion of the Blue Cross Blue Shield network, which is huge. That's just really talking about Anthem Blue. And then when you think about United Healthcare, that grew their profits, their net revenue by about 25 percent. Um, you know, this certainly isn't costing them anything and, and creating because people don't understand the statistics or the cycle of health insurance. And, and whether fortunate or unfortunate, my strongest background is in, you know, financial services and um, group insurance has always been designed to bear the cost of the sick. And here's the statistical truth. Insurance companies know 75% of the people never use their health insurance. So, when you when you get thrown into a group health insurance plan, the whole process, and this is why every business owner and any employee uh, employer relationship, every two to four years, they get called into a meeting and saying, we're going to renegotiate our contract. Why? Because the rates doubled. And, and this is the cycle has been the same way <laughs> yeah. for the last 50 years. And and, and so, so we come into, you know, those big business meetings, okay, we've got a new company we're looking at, and they're going to talk about, you know, this is what we get, you know, and when you look at it, it's always going to be negotiating deductibles, negotiating co-pays, um, you know, uh, negotiating coverages, and, and it's, 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 it's almost, I don't know if the right word is hilarious, it's certainly worse than ironic, to think that people say, oh, yeah, my company provides health care, and they got $150 a week coming out of their paycheck. Your company don't provide health care. You provide your health care, and you're paying for it, you know, and they, but people think that this is uh, – uh, this is the way things are supposed to be. So the wording and the structure and the direction is is the attack against, I don't know, our citizenship, our humanity, let alone the Constitution. So, but I'm, I'm I'm going now. You you put me on a you put me on the path, and I can jump in on this thing. <laughs> so uh, that's what uh, that's what we have you on here uh, for, just so people can hear from you on the on the topics uh, for where you you know for where you're running from. And so we got yeah, Stephen uh, on the line. We are going to bring it back. Go ahead. Okay. And we got Stephen on the line. We're going to bring it back in. And then I've got a really short clip here, uh, to kind of, in, which gives a, a brief explanation from Newt Gingrich and why he thinks uh, that the uh, repeal failed. Uh, but let's first uh, go ahead and bring in Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? No, I mean I'll be here real long. I did have a good day yesterday. I kind of. Got dizzy. I even had to pull over off off the road. I just was under so much stress. I think my blood pressure shot up too far, and I blacked out sort of twice. Oh my gosh! Be careful. Yeah, I it's not a good day, and it's still affecting me. But um, hell, mighty! I just posted two things. We we talk about all this big stuff, and it is. 
but we forget sometimes. Um, here's the headline. I, I'm just watching a TSA. This uh, boy is disabled, and they touch his privates. I mean, it shows it right on the video. And he's a tra- been traumatized. The mother's enraged after the TSA. I mean, I was sickened. I had to watch. I, oh, I didn't have to watch it, but I did. And I couldn't believe. I mean, these are things we need to get enraged about, too, not just about some liberals doing, because these guys that do this are sickos, you know what I mean? And then you got a Mexican guy who's cleared of raping a teen because he didn't enjoy it. Ugh. No wonder we have troubles in the upper echelon. We can't even control the full stuff. I, I just like, what the hell is going on with our courts, with our with this TSA nonsense? I mean, you can't control that. You know, my mother always said you got to take care of the little things. You can't trust someone with big things if they're little things. And we let the little things tend to escape by us because we're concentrating on the liberals and Trump and, and this stuff with Russia. You know, we forget that these little things are happening to people out there, and they need to have backing on what's going on. So I was just like, oh, made me sick. So I'm just saying, try to remember that there's other things in the world besides these big things. I mean, not that you should forget them, but if you can't no, take I mean, care of them. You're right. You know, we have to be careful about what um... – you know, what's still going on, the world's still turning, and uh, it's so easy to get uh, lost in the media play versus uh, the real living play. Right, exactly. Now, that being said, did you know that Joe Biden gave Hillary a F-U message? <laughs> he turned on her. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I posted that, and <laughs> it was like, well... Nobody likes Hillary anymore, even the people that backed her. <laughs> uh, she just is not right. a pop woman. And Biden says, I regret not being president. He feels he could have done a better job against Trump than she did. And it might be true. He isn't to be trusted, but uh, like just some person said, a sack of potatoes <laughs> a pole better than Hillary. <laughs> well, maybe they should have run a sack of potatoes. I don't know. It might have been... I had a sack of potatoes for president, but okay. <clears throat> I I just thought it was funny that he's turning on her too. He they just the Clintons are I I really feel that they're finished. I mean nobody likes them or trusts them or even in their own party I don't think. Well, and, and, no, and, and, and they may have never. No, really. Go ahead, Robert. Appreciate it. I didn't know you were. Well, I was waiting for you. Well, to I was just, I was just gonna say, and it may have been that they never really did like them. It just they saw power uh, when they looked at uh, the Clintons. And at this point in time, the Clintons are. Yeah, you know, I, I think what was proven was the Clintons are powerless now. I mean, I mean, you had yeah, the just, Democrat icon go against someone. You know, go up against someone who, you know, never ran for you know uh, an office before. And at least not to the extent, you know, that he did for president, and he he defeated her. I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why we're still experience, experiencing what we are, you know, with, with the liberals. And, and as you pointed out, Jeff, even with some Republicans, I mean, they're still reeling uh, that, you know, Donald Trump won the presidency, that, that you know, they, they just can't believe it. And so now, now they're, you know, they're finally seeing maybe with, with Hillary – 
is that their, their power is gone, and they never liked them in the in the first place, and now they don't have to pretend that they do because there's. I mean, Hillary Clinton will not ever see office, in my opinion, again. I mean, even when her her thought of going uh, to be the mayor of New York, you know, flopped. Well, I, I think there's a there's a lot of people that were expecting to be brought up along the trail of their ugliness, and um, there was there's a lot of debt that's not going to be paid, and so people are jumping ship. And uh, again, so now they're creating a new breed, the new breed, and I think the Democratic Party has pretty much declared that they're going to they're going to try to push the envelope uh, for more progressive action. And I I say <laughs> go ahead. Cut your own throat, it, uh, because I don't think that's what America wants at all. It, you know, the pocket's too small. So, you know, and, and, and I think we're able to see what's happening you know, inside the voting districts of L.A., you know, New York, and Chicago, and um, if we can concentrate on those pockets uh, uh, of bloated votes, uh, then I think we can, uh, um, you know, move, move the nation in the right direction. Well, there's a lot of things bizarre people out there. I mean, did you hear the news? I'm sure you did. Uma Abedini is going back to Wiener. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, she's an idiot. These people are so crazy. They're stupid. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I haven't heard anything much about the Wiener Diaries uh, <laughs> lately. I haven't paid much attention. Well, yeah, but she's going back to him. She wants to have that marriage work. Oh my God! Who wants a pervert like that? I, you know, I, here's I, the here's the thing is that I mean I don't know, but I, I don't understand. I mean, let's be honest. In my humble opinion, and Jeff, I won't I won't ask, but you're if you're willing to offer it, I don't think she's very difficult to look at. You know what I mean? She's she's not a bad looking woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like that she can't find, heck, she could probably even find another powerful man if that's what she's really looking for, you know, or, or a powerful person. I don't think that, I, mean, I don't think that would be a problem. Why she go back to lean or, oh my gosh, we're not even in Bard's Logic after dark yet. But, uh, <laughs> uh, why she would go back, to, <laughs> go back to the hill <laughs> saying she don't, I got to say it now so I can't help it. But it says, but, but I mean, just me saying her going back to Wiener made it sound like this. she was like a lesbian or something, and now she's got a. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Jeff, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, just uh, by saying that's not a bit. But I'm, let's go ahead and bring I, I, it back I, I, to I'm, our topic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to get back to our topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no more, no more of this uh, talk. Maybe in the in, in the last hour, but we'll see. That's, I think that's a good time for me to go ahead and uh, play our, the, my short audio that I've got here. Uh, and this is Newt Gingrich uh, making commentary on, uh, you know, why Obamacare uh, repeal failed. House, Newt Gingrich. Uh, speaker, let me start with you. What went wrong? What should uh, President Trump and his team do differently next time? And what about Speaker Paul Ryan? Well, look, Ryan's a brilliant policy guy. This is his first really big effort to put together a legislative package. Uh, I hope that this will be a moment in the Trump presidency when they realize that they can't win an inside game. Trump's great strength is in the country, as Reagan's great strength was in the country. It took Reagan uh, until August to pass a tax cut, which is a pretty easy thing. It took us uh, until August of of 96 to pass welfare reform, which is a relatively easy thing. 
First ground rule is simple. Don't set up an artificial deadline to fail. The second ground rule is equally simple. Start with the country understanding what you're doing and then try to do it in Washington. But they're here with the, with the fake score from CBO and the absurdity of the Senate reconciliation bills, trying to explain a process that is hopelessly complicated to the average American and then saying in the age of Donald Trump, trust us, we're going to fix it all in the second and third phases. It was just profoundly misdesigned. And is there one person you blame for it? Well, I think, I think, it would, I think the congressional leadership still wants to behave as though they're, they're in a pre-Trump world. And I think Trump, frankly, trusted them. And up until about five days out, they kept telling him they had the votes. We ask you for... What do you think about that uh, analysis, Jeff? Well, I think it's... Uh... I think it's it's fairly accurate. This is the this is the the problem, Robert. Is that I still think that there's a another there's always a third play uh, going on, and we don't always see it. I believe that Donald Trump's an extremely intelligent person. Um, you know, again, uh, he understands business dealings. Maybe Washington, you know, does things a little bit differently than some of the traditional business because you're not dealing with business world thinkers that actually uh, maybe understand bottom line. I think the direction was, and it's possibly that maybe he didn't have all, you know, all the facts, you know, in front of him, but I really, I just don't believe with a successful of a campaign that Donald Trump ran was him trying to uh, push something or pull the wool over something. And I believe that there's something else yet left to play. I believe someone's going to be left holding the bag on this whole process. And I think, you know, again, when you look at the contents of, you know, the ACA versus the AHCA, um, there really wasn't enough contrast there. Um, and it almost, yeah. it almost looked like, let's just change the name on the cover. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, I like know, the picture I posted, yeah. You know, and again, we, people talked about this, you know, again, the first time that, well, no one really read it, you know, so, you know, they didn't realize, you know, the, the penalties built in, they didn't realize the death squads, they didn't realize um, the group the group coverage demands and the philosophy and understanding of it. Uh, and I still think a lot of people don't. And I think it can be fairly, I think it can be um, simplified uh, with, with an understanding of, of, of what would work and, you know, I think, yeah, I don't understand what's there that, that seeing that it's so unconstitutional anyways, and it's certainly not part of the Constitution to think that we've got to provide international health care. I, I would love for the world, uh, the United States, to have, for every American citizen to have free health care. I would love it. I, I believe it's possible. I believe there's enough money in the system to provide it. But what it is and what it isn't are two different things. And so again, when you when you when you look at this world and you understand reserve dollars and I mean there's a lot more to this. If you think if the American people think that their government actually cares about their health care, boy, are you know I think we got a, a lot to expose yet because you know we still have we still have government agencies that figure out how many parts per billion is 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 okay a poison to put into our food system. So <laughs> I don't know about you, but, yeah. but, but, but you know, when, I hear, when I hear one part per billion, that's one part too many. Poison. I don't want yeah. it in my food. What would be wrong with just saying, you know, zero parts? <laughs> I mean, you know, but no, we, you know, we, we seem to accept this as a standard. Um, 
and that, oh, well, you can't get rid of everything. Well, then let's be honest, then where's our, where's our problem? Is all of our water supply, is all of our soil damaged? And then let's work on correcting that. I, you know, let's put $19 billion back into agriculture then, I guess, instead of going to Mars right now. We certainly got a lot of issues we got to take oh, care of here. Oh, no, we're going to be button heads on, on that later then, my aunt. We're going to be talking about well, that, I mean, you're going to be butting heads I, I, in the third hour. <laughs> we won't butt any heads. I'm just saying, I think it's great. I think space exploration is really cool. But I think that we've got a, we have a totally unexplored planet um, that still has yet. I mean, most people don't even understand rare Earth and the structure of rare Earth, let alone to think what yet is, you know, deep within and, and you know, other capabilities and, and uh, things that are parts of our globe that we haven't, that we haven't discovered. I'm not against it. I'm just saying that let's be, let's take a look at what we can accomplish and certainly to think of new industry, new technology. It's a great idea. It's a great, it's always, it's always, our biggest fears are unknown. And so I'd say, let's, let's, let's go conquer the unknown. That's, that's how we, that's how we overcome our obstacles and that's how we learn. That's how we grow. Um, so I don't know what we're going to find any different and certainly the Senate college in the, to Mars, I don't know if that's our answer to uh, to solving our, our economy here. But, again, a lot of good things, positive, negative, whatever. Um, I'm just saying I think that in regards to health care, um, uh, what we want, what Americans want, and I believe I know what Americans want. Look, I have 11 kids, 13, my, my 11th, 12th, and 13th grandchild would be born this year. I paid for every one of my, my own children's birth. I didn't uh, – I think – I think one time I had insurance, but I still paid a couple thousand dollars, you know, maybe three thousand dollars to meet my deductible or something that year. Um, but all, uh, but I again, uh, I think it, it's an understanding of philosophy and thinking, you know, that that has to change, and it, it goes a lot deeper than um, than just uh, handing out handing out free things. We get the government out of the market, then we'll understand. When I say the market, I'm talking not only the health insurance market, but you know. Uh, there's already enough legislative insider trading information changing hands to to make them billions uh, when they come out of office, uh, let alone the you know, the scam that covers the American people's eyes. Real quick, folks, I do see it is at the bottom of the hour. So let's go ahead and hear from our friends at the Patriot Journals Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. Definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And we bring us back to the show with our guest tonight, Jeff Jones, uh, running there in Michigan uh, for Congress. And so let's go ahead and bring things back. Now, you mentioned before we uh, had the bottom of the hour, you know, know, maybe some possibilities. I think a little hint there. Of, of what we can do is one thing that's being battered around uh, is, of course, you know, across states competition uh, when it comes to offering health insurance. Uh, which, and uh, well, I do see some other folks on the line. If you'd like to get in, uh, just push the one in the do- on your dial, and I'll get you into the show. 
But anyway, Jeff, so what's your thoughts, you know, and of course you're, you know, looking to be a legislator there in Michigan. Uh, what's your thoughts on, you know, increasing the competition between states when it comes to uh, health care? Well, I think competition is always better. We've got to understand a couple things that, you know, I believe in state sovereignty, you know, so I believe each state has the ability to make, you know, different decisions than other states. But, like, for instance, here in Michigan, you know, which was headquarters of Blue Cross and Blue Shield, that's designed to be a not, you know, for profit organization. Their head CEO makes $12.9 million a year. Doesn't sound like not for profit. You know, we don't, we, uh, we can't, we can't quite grasp that, you know, and yet. So, how does a not for profit organization pay a CEO $12.9 million a year and hundreds of millions in overall of to all their CEOs on a collective basis? So, but like Michigan, was always what they call an accept-reject state. That meant that they will accept you uh, with whatever conditions you have, or they will reject you with whatever conditions. Other states, I think Ohio being one of these at the time, prior to the um, the ACA, uh, was that they had the ability to write insurance and then put like a subwriter in, say, okay, we'll cover everything but your uh, your hip replacement because that already happened or and still accept somebody onto a health insurance. So that's the difference, but that's lobbyist stuff. That's why, you know, they, the last thing Blue Cross and Blue Shield wants to do or or Kaiser Permanente or United Healthcare or any of the other big ones is the last thing they want to do is change the risk factors. You know, if you knew that you could go to the casino, throw the dice and seven out of ten times win, you know, we'll all be hanging out at the casino tonight. You know, if, uh, if, you, if all of a sudden someone, someone tries to change those rules of engagement, and we're not talking about like a one-year forecast or a two-year forecast. We're talking about 150 years of understanding risk, you know, in insurance. And so if that information could get passed along to the home, to the, to the individual, um, then we would get a better reason. Well, you know what? I think a cafeteria plan or, um, uh, you know, the old HSA or something like it, would have some 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 pretty cool options. Uh, in Texas, they're doing some really cool stuff, and I think someone started up doing this again. Uh, it's kind of like a doctor on retainer. So, like a hundred dollars a month, your family pays to the local doctor, mm-hmm. and anything that can be done in his office, they'll take care of it. Hundred bucks a month, you just pay it, and it's just kind of like joining the club. We we'll call it the doctor's club or whatever. Now, whether people like that or not, it subdues several things. The doctor can say, you know what, I'm going to do. I'm going, to, I'm going to stop with 200 clients or 300 clients. I can handle them. I'm going to make 300000 a year. That's good for me. I'm, you know, you know I, I, I like my practice like this. And get the personal thing rather than having 1,000 people coming from, you know, some provider because, you know, every, you know everything's – or he accepts that plan. Most people don't understand the process of why do you call the doctor or the hospital and find out if your insurance – do you accept such and such insurance? It's because it's a contract. And the doctor or the hospital has the right to say, you know what? I don't accept the rules of that contract. No, I'm not going to take 25 cents on the dollar. And no, I'm not going to wait nine months to get paid. And, you know, whatever the other stipulations of the contract is. And the doctor can say, yeah, you're native to that. And the hospital should, or the service provider should be able to do the same thing. And so to force someone into a program to say, you're going to take this, let alone to have someone with a to have the government hat with a with a with a uh, 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 a bullet, you know, at their head saying, you know, you're you're going to take this thing or you're going to pay a penalty. And even the new program, still with continuous coverage, it still penalizes those that are healthy. And 
you know, so, but people that are healthy are going to say, you know what, I think I'm going to manage that risk myself right now. And um, certainly no one plans for a heart attack. No one plans for cancer. And no one knows when they're going to get, that's why you have insurance. So you do one of two things. You either, you either better put some, you know, cash aside and understand the rule of 72, or you're going to, uh, you're going to pay an insurance company a, a fee based on what they want to manage that risk on your behalf. And they're going to go ahead and call the provider anyways and still try to negotiate. So, you, had, you know, we used to have the option to do that. Now we really don't have that option anymore. So maybe that was a long way about. Hopefully I answered your question. So, yeah, I think more competition would, cert- would certainly breed, uh, inspire uh, a better coverage and better savings. Yeah, now you know because they were talking about you know you know health savings accounts you know things of that nature. Uh, I think the biggest thing is you know catastrophic you know, to, to make sure cover is catastrophic care. Um, you know and, and you know talk about well if these people you know if they get rid of Obamacare they're going to have where you know people are you know not going to have their 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 conditions covered anymore their pre-existing conditions uh, covered anymore. I, you know and I think that uh, while they I, I think they should be I mean I think. Insurance companies should cover them. However, you know, maybe at a higher deductible, it's kind of like life insurance. With life insurance, you know, you go through a medical process, but, you know, if at least for a company that wants to stay in business for a while, <laughs> you know, they, they have it, it, a rating system. You know, you know started, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Insurance started in, in the shipping industry, and, the, and it was based on what is the risk of that route? The ships. Running uh, yeah, ships. That's how, in, that's how our personal insurance started. Um, on the on the wharfs of England, and uh, people would negotiate on on how they were going to insure that ship, you know, and that's where everything began. You know, that's where people out of If the ship delivered its goods, then hey, that was a plus. If they didn't, then they had to be insured for the losses at hand. And so eventually, that turned into personal insurance and health insurance and life insurance. Life insurance has been around for a while, a little bit longer than health insurance, but. This, you know, Lloyd's of London, you know, this is what they did. They insured ships. And so, but it's all about risk. And if all of a sudden you know that you know, this ship is going into a water filled with, you know, every week, you know, it gets pirated, do you really, are you really prepared to say, okay, I'm going to take that risk? No, you're in business to make money. And if someone's saying that you can't be in business to make money, well, then, you know, get your head on straight. You know, this is this is what it's all about. And so, and, the, and what you have to do, to build on is the integrity of the individual, you know, who who hopefully will become, you know, filled with some philanthropy because they they can and uh, and this is part of the process. But in regards to insurance, you know, health insurance, you know, is is it right for a company to say, you know, you've got to insure everybody? And here, okay, here this is what happened. Prior to the Frank Dodd Act, and this is all part of building up to where we're at today, was an insurance company had to put 60 cents on the dollar aside for reserve claims. So they know they're going to have claims, mm-hmm. and the rules of engagement were for every dollar of premium you sell, you've got to put 60 cents aside, and you cannot touch that money. It's called reserve, re- reserve funding. So, so what happened was the, they, they changed the rules of engagement and said you've got to put, and Obama did this, part of it, push, was to put 80 cents on the dollar away. Now what happened then is this. So if you know that you're making 40 cents on the dollar, you know, you can run your company, run your profits, and know where you're at. But when all of a sudden overnight someone says, you can't do 60, you can't run your, your company on 40 cents profit anymore, you can, run your, you can run your company on 20 cents profit, 
what are you going to do to stay in business? You're going to double your rates. So you still make 40 cents on the dollar, right? So you just double your rate. And this is the, so as the government creates regulations and puts pressure on insurance companies because they move our economy, they, without reserve dollars, you couldn't buy a house. The banks would be in business, wouldn't be in business and they couldn't sell loans or credit cards without reserve dollars. And this is what moves everything. And so, uh, the whole idea is how do we how do you access it? How do you get control back of it? And this is how the World Bank and the central banks all if there's no reserve dollars, they can't do what they do. And this is this is where there's trillions, trillions and trillions of dollars you know stuck away in reserve funding over the years. And so, um, but once we understand those risks, now we can find out you know who's really getting the win out of the deal, and you know uh, you know what what is the purpose behind you know, health insurance for Americans. Again, there's enough money, but one-third of our budget right now goes to Medicaid and Medicare uh, of the national budget. So how much more can it bear? And so what Donald Trump saw was let's, let, let's reduce those numbers somehow so we can move it around and, and maybe pick up our economy rather than just overload the system, uh, you know, on one side. And so the thought was if we eliminate the burden, and that's what really the, the new law was about, was moving, shifting the burden from the government to the hosp- to hospitals and individuals. How to do that? Raise rates. Um, don't pay for certain things. And now you have accountants making medical decisions, and it's going to be disastrous. You know, uh, national healthcare pretty much failed in England uh, or the UK as a whole. Uh, it's failed in most other countries. And 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 how can you call it a success when when you're paying 50, 60 percent of your income to taxes? I don't know about you, but if I made a million bucks, I wouldn't like the idea of 600000 going to cover, you know, government expending. <laughs> so, let alone to think of how oh, I mean, you know, well, that, that burns me up. I mean, if I make a bonus at work, government takes 36% of it. <laughs> like, yeah, what makes you think yeah, you deserve 36% of a bonus that I made? Yeah, yeah, you know, so it's a frustrating process. And then we just open, continually open the doors on everything, you know, to think, okay, here, here you want to, if we really want to save money, you know, if we really need to save money, and I don't know if, you know, healthcare is where we're going to save money or make money. I, I, I still believe the only reason the government got involved was to make money at it, certainly not to care of Americans. But so if they can still figure out how to make money, change the wording in such a way that we think we're actually getting a free lunch, um, because no one got a free lunch. I don't know about, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, when you, when I'm paying, my 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 monthly premiums went from about three hundred and fifty dollars a month, almost nine hundred dollars a month, and then my deductible wow. went from three thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars, and I still had an eighty twenty plan, and so I'm I'm going to spend twenty thousand wow. dollars out of my pocket if I get sick. So what do you think I'm going to do? I'd rather pay the twenty five hundred dollars fine, and so I can I can put twenty thousand dollars on a credit card, thank God. But you know, um, this is. That's a rare this, this, this is a cycle of it. It's ugly. And it's not changed. Group insurance has always caused this problem and conflict. And the government need, needs to be, plain and simple, needs to be out of group insurance. And those that are medically dependent, then I guess they can, they can apply for, for uh, entitlements. You know, I'm not saying that that's the answer, but uh, I'm just saying that I do believe that people that are medically, and if we are going to be medically dependent, then maybe we, maybe we need to take a look at other things besides continue covering up the problem and exposing the problem. You know, when, 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 
when you're when you're you when you're commer- every other commercial on TV is for a pharmace- pharmaceutical company, and the commercial for the for the for the product is 10 seconds, but the but the uh, the residuals and the uh, side effects are th- are 13 minutes. <laughs> we know we got a problem. Uh, if you know this may cause death, you know please stop using it. You know <laughs> suicidal thoughts if you. No, know, I tell you what, it's stuff. like it's like the side effects are worse than the than what you're treating. So so you go to the doctor and the doctor says, okay, well I'll give you this medicine to take care of that side effect, which has new side effects, and then it just becomes a tumble play. You know, it's like what a snowball. You know, it's uh, uh, so yeah, and I don't get me wrong, I'm not attacking. The, 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 I'm not attacking doctors. I do believe it's an educational process that when you find out that research companies and research colleges make their are able to do what they do by creating this cycle of mess. And so, you know, you know, when you go to Washington and realize a mile in every direction from the Capitol, you know, are tax-funded buildings. It's just, it's just crazy. You know, just crazy to think of how big and how how outreaching, uh, you know, certainly way outside of the the 10th Amendment and the 22 enumerated powers given to Congress, we operate outside of the Constitution every every single day of the week, and no one wants to talk about it. And then we get twisted up in stuff like this to to get so that our we don't. Friend, our friend John, who calls in, he'll want to talk. He, he wants he'll he want to talk about it, and he'll, he'll call it. Maybe he'll chime in on, on that tonight. And yeah. uh, so, oh, we—I uh, I see Naj on the line. I don't know whether uh, he had to go and then come back. He didn't push the one on his number dial to get in, but maybe uh, Naj uh be uh, calling us back in. And so, Susan, you know, we'll, we'll uh, rail you back in. And you know, you heard what Gingrich uh, said, and you know, our guest here. Do you feel that uh, it's one thing? Uh, one, I mean, what do you think of his analysis? Two, what you know, what do you think? Is there any particular people or people? Uh, to blame, or is some are contending that you think they pretty much allowed it uh, to fail and it's kind of part of a, a plan, which, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned with Trump, you know, being a smart guy, of course, you know, you got uh, uh, Pelosi, who's, you know, gosh, I tell you what, but she was, you know, had had her announcement after the the, the bill failed, you know, I want to do something that uh, that Trump said, and that was put her in the face. But anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just can't stand Nancy Pelosi. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and just yeah, a smug yeah. look on her face. But, but you, so, so much of her needs to be exposed, and I'm hoping eventually she'll get she'll get her day in battle. Oh, well, I tell you what, and then with, with some Republicans too. I mean, you know, I mean, I went, and that'll be for our next segment. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm guess, I'm hoping that some rumors I'm hearing are true about McCain that you know he's not going to run anymore, which I'm kind of hoping because I think his day is done. Um, and so hopefully, you yeah. know, he'll be one of the, the people to get out of the swamp, you know, because I've about had it with him. Uh, but, Susan, though, what, what are your thoughts on that, on what we're saying? Uh, on the health care bill? Well, I mean, or... do you think that, I mean, do you think two, a couple things? One, I mean, you think if they really were wanting to pass it, you know, could, where, where should the blame be bucked at, so to speak? Or do you think rather that, you know, they knew it was going to, uh, they knew it was going to fail, uh, but of course made attempts for whatever reason, uh, for some reason I guess just for show, and that there's actually uh, something to work behind the scenes. Now remember, you also heard about them saying, "Well, maybe we should just let uh, Obamacare implode," and who knows, maybe that's what the the true uh, the the true goal is. Well, 
I blame everyone who didn't listen to Brandon Paul. Listen to what? I, I sent you the link. Rand Paul, he has his alternative, and it's good. So I blame everyone who didn't listen to him. Ignore Rand. Well, yeah, well, well, he was part of the yeah, he was part of the Freedom Caucus. Well, well, yeah. Excuse me. But when they tried to keep him sure? out. For... Go ahead. I knew something was up when they slammed the door in the station and wouldn't let him come in and look at it. So, Paul proposes a two-year period where people with pre-existing conditions could get coverage. After that, they would be protected if they continuously maintain coverage. So, anyway, he's got a whole bunch of, and I, I'm going to listen to him. The Pauls don't have any reason they, unlike so many, they're not looking for power and greed. So, I stand with Rand. Thank you. Well, let's go ahead. It's a short article, <laughs> and then we'll get you uh, get your thoughts on that, Jeff. And I, I see we still are uh, waiting for uh, Jim. Uh, maybe he's held up in a, in a meeting, uh, and that's why we're not seeing uh, him on the on the line yet. But uh, what we've got here, and, and thanks, Susan, is uh, ran, and this is from the Hill. Uh, looks like it was updated at 4:51 p.m. today. The Senator Rand Paul, Republican uh, in Kentucky, unveiled an Obamacare replacement bill Wednesday as part of his effort to urge the GOP to speed up work on an alternative to the health care law. Paul has been pushing his colleagues to have a replacement plan ready to pass simultaneously with repeal of Obamacare, a demand that has been recently been gaining support inside the party. His office noted that President Trump and Speaker Ryan have also reacted favorably to that idea. There is no excuse for waiting to craft an alternative until after we repeal Obamacare and the Obamacare Replacement Act charts a new path forward that will ensure the most people possible at the lowest price, Paul said in a statement. Paul's plan comes the same week that two other Republican senators, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana and Susan Collins of Maine, introduced a different Obamacare replacement also with the hope of spurring their party to move forward on the alternative in addition to repealing the Affordable Care Act. That plan was more centrist, keeping Obamacare's taxes and letting states choose to keep the existing health care law they wanted to. Paul's plan includes a tax credit of up to $5,000 per person to use as part of a health savings account to pay for medical care. The tax credit appears to be a larger I'm sorry, appears to be larger than those offered in other Republican health care plans. The plan would abolish many of the central elements of Obamacare, including the mandate that everyone has coverage. It would also eliminate the minimum standards for which health uh, services and insurance plan must cover, which Republicans argue would allow for cheaper, less comprehensive plans. It would also eliminate some of Obamacare's protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Instead, Paul proposes a <laughs> this is what you're talking about, Susan. Instead, Paul proposes a two-year period where people with pre-existing conditions could get coverage. After that, people with pre-existing conditions would be protected if they continuously maintain coverage. Uh, Obamacare, on the other hand, also protects people who are uninsured and signing up for the first time. 
The plan would retain the exclusion of employer-sponsored health plans from taxation while adding a tax deduction for health insurance so that people buying insurance on their own could receive the same tax benefit. Again, thank you, Susan, for uh, supplying that. You're welcome. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. You know, here's still still part of the problem is that um, do does the government need to be involved with you know controlling it? Well, so why can't I just go buy health insurance on my own like I had for the last you know thirty some years of my life? What's wrong with that? Why? And here's the problem is because people don't understand. If you don't demand people to be in the program, there's not a there there's not enough money coming in to pay for those people that are always sick, who are always using, who are who do have catastrophic situations, and they need to be covered. They need to be helped. They need to be assisted. I, you know, again, you you know, Robert, you know that you know I had a daughter that passed away, you know, a few years ago, right, and right. and it was a you know it was an ugly battle, um, uh, you know, with with what with what was going on and. So with that, yeah, with just letting you. Know, I remember that how they fought you on it. Yeah, you know, and so, um, so again, I, I, you know, I, I know people hurt. I know it's hard. I don't care how much money that you can make or not. You know, it doesn't income. Income should not be the standard um, for what type of coverage you get or what type of coverage you don't get. And what happens then is, um, uh, so. You know, when we have children that are dealing with terminal illness, or or you have someone who has who's medically dependent, their life is not the same as you know ours. Their daily life, um, their obligations to go to the doctor, the 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 residuals, the uh, the side effects of everything else, and those people need uh, some encouragement. And again, but if if someone is if someone's medically dependent, how would you what would happen if all of a sudden the world found out that half of our medical problems were caused by the food we eat? You know, would you be upset about that? And would maybe the shift go so in a different direction? And so we have. I remember when you know, you know, doctors said you can't eat butter. You got to have you know margarine, right? And now the doctors say you got to eat butter. You can't, you can't have margarine. And those those medical journals flip flop all around. And and it's required. Most of that stuff is required uh, writing because of, of a college student who's never really worked with a patient. It's part of him fulfilling their their degree program to to add to medical journal stuff and and all of a sudden we it gets taken as okay this so, such and such report showed up in this medical journal that's that's part of the that's part of meeting their the research dollar obligation and and it's not real medicine it's not you know practicing medicine it's, unfortunately health insurance today has become an accountant's game and not a doctor's game and I'd say let's do whatever we can to return professionalism back to the doctor and 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 cafeteria or individual it's always going to come down to your budget. And so, you know, if you've got to make a decision to, you know, again, most people that are self-employed, their, their medicine cabinet consists of duct tape and crazy glue because if they don't work, they don't get paid. You know, so here's 50% of Americans that that are, are not going to take the day off because they have a fever or a cough. They're going to go to work and they're going to go get paid because they got to get paid in order to, you know, to manage the, the debt and their propensity to consume. So, it's you know, I tried that for uh, about three days last week, and then I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I know some people are like, I'm, I had supervisors like Robert, take a day off. Yeah, I'm like, huh? Well, yeah, because I, yeah, I had a fever for three days, and they're like, 
you know, I they're like Robert, just take take a sick day. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I mean, I think that people should have the ability to say, hey, you know what? I don't take traditional medicine. I'm gonna I'm spend most of my time at the health food store. I'm gonna drink some protein shakes. Give me a tax credit for that. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna have, you know, insurance or 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 hey, give me preventative care. That's all I want. You know, but some people, you know, they just want a couple doctor visits. They want an emergency room for their kids. And it, God forbid something awful happens. They don't want to have to file bankruptcy in order to process, you know, their sickness is bad enough to to be surviving, let alone to be fighting on financial issues because, you know, it's a, it's, it's $1,500 a day to go to the local hospital and spend the night. That's one hell of a thing. Oh, I, well, I tell you what, and let, let me tell you a side story. And, and again, we could go in, you know, into the next segment a little bit on this before we move to the, the next topic. But it, let, let me tell you something about some growth insurance that my daughter, you know, you know, my daughter uh, was on. And let me tell you something. She was in the hospital two years ago, and she was in the hospital yeah, for physician. Yeah, for ten days. She was in the hospital for ten days. And I, I mean, I seen, I seen the insurance company cut a check for like fifty six thousand dollars. I mean, I think the whole bill was like set for ten days. For ten days, yeah. seventy four thousand dollars for ten days. I'm like, oh man, I'm yeah. sunk. You know, I'm wanting to take her to private school next year and this not, or in two years or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, there's, there's no way if I got this big. Ass. But no, they cut it. Boom, they cut a check for fifty four, fifty six thousand dollars. I was amazed. But anyway, go ahead, Jeff. But you gotta. You gotta understand this, Robert. Here's the cycle. What happened? If if Blue Cross and Blue Shield comes in and whoever says, you know what, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're not gonna pay you fifteen. We're not gonna pay you a thousand dollars for this program. The contract that you accepted was we're gonna pay you twenty five cents on the dollar. So if you want to make a thousand dollars, what do you gotta do? You gotta triple, quadruple your rates. And this has been the cycle. And this is the behind the scenes that insurance has become an accountant's uh, ball and cup trick rather than than true professionalism. And there's plenty of doctors and it, it, plenty of people that say, hey, you know what? Hey, I got cash in my back pocket for 100 bucks. Can I get this wart removed? But if the insurance company is going to get remove that wart, it's a $3,000 bill. And, and, and so, again, um, I, I, it's practicality that people don't want to, or common sense, that people don't want to submit to. And then the cycle of it are the people who make between 15000 and $75,000 a year that carry the load and the blunt of, of having to pay excessive money out of their pockets, can't get coverage. Even the, even the new program really attacks people in the $60,000 income earner, and they're the losers of all of this. Well, how many households make $60,000? It's the medium range. It's the majority of America is going to get beat up in this program, you know, because the government doesn't address the cycle of it. And, you know, it, you know so I, I just remember when I was a kid, my mom and dad, my dad worked somewhere, and they had a reimbursement program. He was allowed $2,500 a year or something. And, you know, we'd go to the doctor, he'd turn in the bill, and the company reimbursed him up to 2500 bucks a year. And that was their medical expense. And then they, because of that, they knew that they didn't have to cover anything under $2,500. And if you customize a program to that, you know, again, you can, you can collectively say, you know what, I only want insurance for emergencies, broken bones, scrapes, you know, stitches. And because it's limited, it's going to be a very low amount. You can say, I want insurance just for cancer only. I want insurance just for something catastrophic. I'll, st- I'll cover the first, 
I'll manage the first $20,000 of expenses, and just I want 100% of everything covered after that. And those, those policies exist, and they're, you know, they're pennies on the dollar. But prior to all this mess, you used to be able here in Michigan, if you were under 30 years old, buy a, buy a policy for 40 bucks a month called Young Adult Blue. It was a great coverage program. And who wouldn't, wouldn't spend $10 a, you know, a week to get health insurance? And so, but now that same program, which doesn't exist, is now $450-some you know, a month. So the only justification is, is that if the government's going to reimburse or allow uh, an insurance company to, to take the caps off of what they want to charge and, and so forth, it's an ugly cycle that just keeps, again, like I said, just keeps snowballing. And we've got to address the issue that it's not about coverage quality. It's about getting accountants and governments you know, out of that process so that we can genuinely get good coverage at a reasonable rate because there's nothing affordable about the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> it's the biggest oxymoron yeah. of words well, that, I've well, ever heard in my life. That's what politics John, we'll get you on the, uh, on the line. If you're on the line, we'll get you into the show. Uh, but we got uh, – uh, well, and that's kind of when they – it's always – not always, but a lot of times I see when they name a bill, it's almost like the opposite of what the bill's supposed to do. And I can't think of any more prime example than the Affordable Care Act. But let's go ahead, and uh, it is at the top of the hour, and we'll, we'll stay on this topic for a little bit longer before we get into our next because uh, we're in the second segment of the show. And that is, of course, uh, check out uh, the show's website at www.vardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. You can see a list of all the different folks we've had throughout the years uh, on the show. You can also check out our gift page, uh, which has some wonderful organizations on there uh, where you can uh, contribute to and uh, give gifts to. And uh, you have my thanks if you decide to uh, give to any of those. And, of course, we have the uh, Newsmax TV. If you want to watch the Newsmax TV, We've got that available for you as well, as uh, well as our Bard's Logic newsroom, where you can get articles such as the one I have here called Obama Aid Squeals Live on MSNBC. I helped spy on Trump. Uh, that's just one of the articles uh, that you can get from the website. Then you can subscribe uh, to our newsroom for the weekly updates. And, of course, uh, you can also uh, get the contact page to contact uh, myself, the host, uh, so you can check out the contact portal as well. Uh, so get, uh, go ahead and get on the site at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. So let's go ahead and uh, bring in John. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm just doing fine and dandy. I'm great to hear Mr. Jones echo the fact that the Declaration of, or the Constitution does not have enumerated powers to allow the congressmen and senators to even do what they're doing and that's why we don't e- they don't even exercise the constitution at all they just give lip service to it our declaration of independence is a agreement like a contract between every legal united states citizen either we all mutually pledge our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor to that document, or we don't have America. And this is this government is basically government-sanctioned theft, immunization, and assault by an oligarchy of people who psychologically tricked the rest of Americans to believe that they have the power. 
Otherwise, if every legal United States citizen realized that they are supposed to be equal citizens, equal privileges, equal immunities, they have the right of due process, good faith negotiations, good faith bargaining in all law to make sure that their will is reciprocally and mutually included, reflected in all law, enacted, codified, and ratified. And that's how they get away with this nonsense, because if you are the only person that knows exactly how governing is going to affect you in the details of your everyday life and your pursuit of happiness. When they, snake oil salesmen, trick you psychologically into believing that you get to vote and then they get all the power to determine what burdens you and encumbers you, they leave your voice out of law. So therefore you become their slave. It's a legislative slave involuntary servitude, taxation without representation, and you get the shaft and you pay the bill. Your taxes are going to be used for them to ingratiate themselves and to circumvent enough power from all of the other people that's getting a little of the money in order for them to keep the power. Because psychologically, everybody's being tricked. Because think about it. All they're doing is getting enough people to say, hey, you know what? We're going to make sure that my industry has a guaranteed paycheck because we're going to force everybody to pay insurance. So my insurance industry is going to make money because we're going to force every American to buy it. Well, that's favoritism. Where's your industry's law and government that says every American has to buy your products to guarantee that you got a paycheck coming in? It's government-sanctioned theft. Yeah, you know, boy, John, you are hitting the nail on the head. And get, you get, we can get, I get pretty excited because, again, most people, we have, who is the only branch of the government that can make law? Congress. You mean Congress, Congress is the only one that can actually write law. The Supreme Court doesn't write law. The Supreme Court makes decisions. And so we even think, so we hear something that the Supreme Court said, they don't make law. Congress makes law. We, and then we've accepted executive orders for the last 50 years since Roosevelt, and they're unconstitutional because the president cannot operate independent of Congress to, 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 to make law and order. They, he can make a decision, you know, but it's not certainly not law. And uh, so, yeah, we've been operating outside of the Constitution. I mean, Washington, D.C. is really not part of our government. It's a foreign entity, you know, based on, you know, you know, you know its existence. So it's crazy, you know. It, but we've been operating so far outside of the Constitution, and most Americans have no idea. They just figure, well, this is the feds, this is the government, this, this we're doing what we're told. And you know, it just still reminds me of that that old that old sci-fi movie when uh, you know everybody couldn't see the aliens, you know, until I can't remember, that old black and white film. <laughs> and all of a sudden, some guy stopped wearing those glasses or something, and he he could see people, you know, as they were or something, and. Uh, and this is our government, man. We just we're so far out out of order. It's unbelievable. Well, the Constitution, even in in that sense, you like you mentioned earlier, Mister Jones, they basically are undermining it, running roughshod over it all the time. It's just they're talking about oh the Constitution, but they don't actually adhere to it. It's like you know the Amendment Nine, the Ninth Amendment, basically yeah. means that hey, enumerated powers that are in this Constitution are set up for a certain reason, but all the rest of the powers are left to the people. 
And then the Tenth Amendment says, hey, if it's not enumerated in this Constitution, all the powers go back to the state or the people. So those two um, amendments are proving it starts with the people. And we, the people, are the principal signers of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, or we don't have an agreement. Freedom of contract provides due process of law, good faith negotiation, and good faith bargaining. When you choose to run roughshod over your fellow man, that makes the contract null and void because the value, valuable consideration and the promises have been in breach. The trust has been broken. The fiduciary agency relationship has been broken. But most you know, of us don't care about that because what we want is the outcomes. Government is about refereeing and umpiring, not playing, you know, banker or finance. We, we've been, we've been yeah, so well, blinded. Most yeah, people yeah. don't even know the difference that, that the Constitution or, or the Declaration of Independence, they wouldn't even know if, they have a, if they'd be reading a real one or not. If you have a capital U and a capital S in your Constitution, it's a – uh, it's like, say, an abridged version. Because the original version, it was these states united, lowercase u. We were, we were a United States before we were a capital United States, um, Inc., and we were just a group of states united, and that gives us state sovereignty. And so the media and everybody else or whoever powers to be, forces a divide upon us because if all of a sudden, you know, 300 million Americans realize there's only 600 of them and Washington, we could take back our country. <laughs> so, but but that's that, that that's frightening thought, you know that uh, that we've been we've been blinded, we've been blindsided, and 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 we we're just, I mean, I love I love the character of Patrick in SpongeBob, but you know we're just we're just a bunch of starfish drooling uh, while people tell us what to do. <laughs> it just ain't so. I I must say I'm not as versed on uh, on SpongeBob. Uh, and, and, and whoever that character is that you mentioned, I have no idea who that is. It, it's just it's, is it's he a to represent that, something he, or whatever. Or? Yeah, he kind of represents ignorance. You know, he just he, he you know he'll say you know he might just get stuck and kind of start drooling out of one side of his mouth and and uh, I really don't know what to say. You know, and and you know and so. And that's like we we are, uh, and and they and 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 the government knows that they've been able to get away with this for so long, so they just keep doing what they do, and and the rest of it is all just a show because the real stuff happens behind closed doors and we don't even know it. That's you know I don't, I don't want to get into shadow government and fourth said? fourth fourth branches and everything else, but we could. <laughs> Another sad part of it, Mister Jones, is we use the word government, but the word government, the word state. Those are just labels. They you're right. No, you're right. They have no power without our fellow Americans stepping in and exercising that power. So it's our fellow Americans who are rape, pillaging, and plundering the rest of us, breaking their agreement with us, the Declaration of Independence, because it says governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Just powers are powers that all of the governed consent to be held accountable to and actually give their own voluntary, willful, you know, obedience to holding themselves accountable to those same rules, processes, procedures. Otherwise, you're a slave. 
Because if You're any right. oligarchy of people can dictate the burdens and encumbrance of you against your will without your consent, you are a slave. And they've denied you your privileges and immunities that they get or that they're exercising. You know, and so when you know, it says make, just powers, go, those go just ahead. powers come from the consent of the governed. It does not say the consent of some of the governed or consent of a few of the governed or consent of the elected officials. It means every legal United States citizen who is the governed. You know, there was a day. Yeah, 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 Jeff, and then we're going to move into our, uh, our our next uh, okay, topic, go Jeff. Go ahead, go ahead. I just was going to say that that there was there was a day in our country that ten, eleven, and twelve year olds knew exactly what John's talking about. And today, most people think that John's talking from some other some you know other world magazine when this is the actual truth. He's he's speaking straight up truth, and Americans don't even realize it. So God bless you, John. Yeah, John's been uh, call- John's been uh, calling to the show for a while, and we appreciate that, John. And we have um, many talks and, and even a few arguments here, but uh, uh, but we'll, I hope we may actually you, you may actually experience one of those tonight in, in our third hour uh, when we have our next topic. Uh, but let's first uh, go ahead, and of course we'll be talking about the uh, liberals' obsession with uh, Russia. It's been going on for probably about eight months now. Whereas they keep wanting to try to tie the Trump camp, uh, Trump campaign and Donald Trump uh, to the Russians, saying, of course, as we all know, uh, that you know they colluded in order to defeat uh, Hillary Clinton. Of course, even though there's there's not any uh, there's not any uh, proof of that. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, we even have you know you know Clapper and, and others, and I've got you know some articles we got for that. But first, I do have an audio clip uh, from a conversation with. Uh, between Pat Buchanan uh, on Hannity and what he's got to say that. So we'll uh, play this audio and get some commentary. And then, as I said, I also have some uh, some articles on, on this as well. And so let's go ahead and uh, hear from Pat Buchanan. Let me tell you a story. 19... But I didn't tell him to do that. But... 1992, the morning after Nixon won 49 states, we were called into the Roosevelt room and he said, Haldeman said, everybody turn in your resignations. And the president will pick up the ones he wants to accept and the ones he wants to keep. He'll talk to you. I mean, that's what you do, and I think it's what the president should have done when he comes in. said, look, everybody pro forma, write a letter of resignation today. Some of you may need to keep you on to finish up your work, but all the jobs, I mean, you're resigned and you're gone. Let's talk about this deep state. Mm -hmm. There are still a lot of holdovers. And, look, I have great respect for intelligence. It's something that's necessary in a world as evil as this. Mm-hmm. I believe that we're being spied on. We've got to spy on them. We've got to know our enemy better they, than they know us. But when you have our intelligence community mm-hmm. using classified information and leaking it selectively, mm-hmm. it hurts the president. It hurts the country. You know, as Hamlet said, there's something rotten in the state here, Sean. Look, General Clapper, DNI, the head of director of national intelligence, said, I believe, January 20th, We have found, after six months, I guess it was, no evidence of any collusion whatsoever between the Trump campaign and the Russians and all these leaks. And yet we get story after story saying intelligence sources say. I mean, these intelligence, either the journalists are lying, which I don't believe, I think they've got the sources, or the sources are breaking their oath and breaking the law by leaking out falsehoods or things they don't know to damage the President of the United States 
and it's being done within the government of the United Sarah States. Sarah Carter and John Solomon. John Solomon, AP, right. 20 years. These are seasoned, real journalists. Mm -hmm. They're not opinion people like right. I am, but they are reporting that, yeah, there was a FISA warrant in October, probably having to do with the larger Russia connection, right. but not with Trump. And they go further. Any time the Trump campaign issue came up, it was investigated and debunked. All right, you've got, you got eight months this thing has been going on. Why has there not been, look, eight months into Watergate, we had seven guys indicted, convicted, prosecuted, the rest of it, and sentenced. They were gone. you got eight months in, not a single indictment. If there's somebody that did something wrong in the Trump campaign and did something illegal, which I don't believe, and which Clapper said they didn't find, then indict him or shut up. I mean, these individuals keep going out and saying the same thing again and again and again without any evidence How does NBC even call themselves a news organization when the conspiracy without any proof, evidence, and I, look, I'm open you know, to seeing it. I'm waiting right? forever. I haven't seen it. they got these ombudsmen in journalism. Why don't one of them come up and say, look, do you have any real evidence of this? Because Clapper says he runs the whole intelligence agency, and he didn't see it. What about how critical it is to is it for President Trump? As I talk about deep right. state and I talk about a purge, I think it's critical. Obama holdovers mm -hmm. in any department, State Department, intelligence, they got to go. Secondly, whoever the leakers are in the intelligence community, they're giving the entire, all these right. agencies a bad name. They're giving the profession a bad name. I'm sure it's a small few, probably high up. I think How important it is they get indicted? Look, I think Director Comey of the FBI, there's only a few people that have this information and only a few people can be leaking it, they ought to run them down, take them out, prosecute them, punish them, and fire them. Do you and have look, faith in Comey? You know, everything I heard about the guy or have heard about him is impressive, that he's got real character and dignity and honor. And But I don't understand. Why? Look, the guys in these agencies have an obligation to run these. You've got people in there who are betraying their oaths, you know, disloyal to the agency, it's a, it's a felony. the commander-in-chief, committing felonies. Why doesn't the FBI investigate that? Look, again, suppose somebody in Trump's campaign got on the phone after a night of drinking and called the Russian ambassador and said, <laughs> look, drop another bunch of email. Yeah. Look, he would, that is not a crime. Right. And, and Clapper says no crimes have been committed, but crimes are being committed. By leaking, violation of the fact, Espionage Act. Look, and you got the fourth estate collaborators who got First Amendment protection are the ones working with these deep state folks, and they're, they're trying to damage... So this destroy. purge needs to go to where we're talking. I think it Intelligence needs to, leakers and, and Obama holdovers. I would go to the Intelligence Committee of both houses and say, you've got to, okay, run down to see if any Trump folks were fooling around with the Russians. Fine. But get, it, get into all these leaks, find out where they were, and prosecute these right. guys. Listen, I think I mentioned, I don't know what was on your show, but look, Donald Trump, you know what his vote was in D.C.? Four. <laughs> <laughs> I got to roll have, that. Look, I could have beat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DC. All right, Papi Cannon, good to see you. First off, we'll bring it over to you, Susan. I know, uh, you know you've had some comments, I believe, in the past uh, about Comey. And I, I tell you what, why Comey still uh, – now, I guess if they, if they you know, told him to, to go, it would uh, you know, look if there's some type of impropriety or something of that nature. But, I mean, I think Comey's got to go. I mean, I think he should have went, you know, after the whole debacle with the, the, the scan, you know, the, the email scandal with, uh, with Hillary Clinton. I mean, I think he should have been gone after that. Why he's still in, in his position is beyond my comprehension. 
Uh, what, what you know? What's your thoughts on on the whole uh, Comey thing? I think well, uh, Yeah, I agree one hundred percent, Robert. That uh, you know this guy, this guy proved, you know, that he had failed his role. You know, I mean, the evidence was so obvious to the entire world, and basically, you know, the stuff that got covered up, the stuff that got allowed, you know, even, you know, even, uh, uh, even the stuff with, uh, you know, Bill Clinton meeting on a plane with uh, Loretta Lynch, you know, I mean, all this stuff was, it was so obvious, uh, the collaborations that took place. I don't know if it was the highest bidder, and you know, who's got who's got juice on the other person, and and who doesn't want to get, you know, you know, something on their shoes. But it's, it seems obvious that there's a – the, the character of this guy is, is – for, for, for Pat Buchanan even to say that this guy's got high integrity, well, I don't know, the rest of the world thinks it was, you know, how is that possible? This, you know, everybody that saw what they saw and saw the videos that we saw, heard the – and read the emails that definitely were – Directed and connected, and this guy basically said, uh, "No, no, no, we can't. We can't. We're not. We're not going to investigate that. Everything's okay. <laughs> no, it's not." Well, and I think when he came out a uh, second time, when they said he was reopening the case, you guys recall that? I mean, I think at that point he was just trying to <laughs> save face. But I mean, but then again, he came back again and said, "Well, no, basically, oh, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here." <laughs> no, you, you. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah, Star Trek. Uh, not Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, little Jedi. Little Jedi mind trick. Oh, that's right. When he was uh, when he when Obi Wan Kenobi used the uh, the Force against uh, some yeah some stormtroopers yeah, yeah, yeah. because stormtroopers yeah. have weak minds and they're easy to control or something like that. Yeah, yeah, either way. No, no, what you're saying is not really what is happening here, you know. It's not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> so, well, and, and, and you mentioned something. We were talking a lot now. They're talking about, you know, the deep state. And, and I mean, of course, as we were kind of saying in the beginning of the of the show, is that, you know, you got the, what I've been calling the political class, who are totally shocked at, you know, Donald Trump, and they, they want to do anything. And there's even some Republicans, as you pointed out, you know, who want to do the same thing, uh, that, you know, I, I'm not big, you know, helicopters flying over my house kind of person. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I do see that, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious at this point that, you know, that there's definitely people working behind the scenes who are trying to do, I mean, their first and foremost thing is, you know, trying to get Trump out. It's like, you know, can you guys just shut up and govern, you know, or shut up and just do, do your job? Just, you know, as you say, they've been going on for, you know, almost a year about this uh, collusion. I've got this uh, article here. That, uh, it says, uh, uh, don't be so quick to believe the, the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. At least that's what the former acting CIA director is saying. NBC News reports uh, former acting CIA director Michael Morell said of the allegations, there is smoke, but there is no fire at all. Uh, Morrell follows former national director uh, of national, national intelligence, James Clapper, uh, who we heard of, heard from not him, but we heard of earlier. He said that as of when he left office in January, there wasn't any evidence to suggest collusion. 
And late last month, uh, Devin Nunes, the House Intelligence Committee chairman investigating ties between Trump and his associates in Russia, said, at this, at this point, there's nothing there. Morell's comments in particular have gotten attention because he – now, here's, I think, important. says, Morell's comment in particular have gotten attention because he endorsed Trump's opponent, Hillary Clinton. At the time, then-candidate Trump criticized him in a tweet. Morell said in an op-ed in pub, an op-ed published in the New York Times on August the 5th that it was breaking his 33-year career practice of not publicly sharing who he would vote for because Donald J. Trump is not only unqualified for the job, but he may well pose a threat to our national security. He was reportedly Clinton's choice to be the CIA director if she had won. The Trump White House has faced repeated questions and ca- about campaign and administration officials' ties to Russia. Uh, within the past month, reports have indicated more Trump associates than previously known met Russian officials during the campaign and during the transition. The House Intelligence Committee will hold a hearing, and that hearing has already, st- already uh, happened. You know, that's where they're still saying that we have no evidence. And I, it's getting to the point, and, and what do you think, Jeff? Uh, if you think this is, I mean, here's where I think this whole thing is getting to the point, too. Well, again, I think this thing's getting to the point too, where they're going to make. A, I think where it's going to be someone on the left is actually going to find a way to try to create or make evidence to suggest, or, or not even suggest, to show that there was collusion between the Russians and the uh, and people from the Trump campaign, if not Trump himself. I, I think someone's going to create evidence. I really do. What's your thoughts on that? Two things. First of all. You got to realize this: that most journalists are are failed fictional writers that are writing creative creative writing media, you know, for people to read. You know, they they've got to sell papers if they're not reading them. So they're going to embellish every story that they can for whatever reason, and that that's the, that's just the history of of you know of writing papers, right? So if you if you're not a creative writer, you're, you're probably not a successful journalist. And most of them all have degrees and did very well. That's pretty coming up with creative writers. So, so this is what we have for news. We have creative writers. You know, I remember in fifth grade, you know, where the teacher would start off the story, you know, um, you know, on on the, on the chalkboard, right, that said, um, you know, it was a cold, blustery day. Dot dot dot. And we had to finish the story. And that was our our fourth or third or fourth or fifth grade creative writing assignment, right? Well, that's what we have today. You know, we have. We have three words of a sentence, and then the rest of it is all just well. Let's just see how let's see how interesting we can make the story, you know. Um, and so that that's the cycle of what we're seeing, uh, you know, overall, you know, honest. But yeah, I think it, it's it. I think certainly it's run its course. Um, so, but Rachel Maddow in, in itself is probably the, the it's some of the biggest oxymoronisms I've ever seen in my life. You know, think that okay, because Donald Trump took advantage of it. it let me, if 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 if, um, if you had if, if someone in your neighborhood, and I have no idea where you live, Robert, or the value of homes in your neighborhood. But let's just say you lived in a neighborhood where the average home was two hundred thousand dollars, and a house went up for sale because of someone's bad management or whatever. I'll give you an example. Our church, we bought a house. It was we we originally offered one hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars for this house, right next door to our church property. The the guy wouldn't sell to us. Finally. We went in one. We came into church one day, and it looked like something was different. We look over, and all the cupboards are gone, all the fixtures are off the wall, and the house is in foreclosure. We end up buying the house at forty some thousand dollars. 
and today it's probably worth 160 to 180 thousand dollars. Now, I would call that team business opportunity. Now, I don't like that it took advantage. Of it. So, if some Russian fertilizer guy has a 10 million dollar estate, you know, in Miami that Trump happens to buy for two million dollars and turns it on and sells it for 20 million dollars, I'd say applaud the guy for making one of the coolest. You, you know, uh, exchanges of a return on investment, and I call that swab. Yeah, we brought that so up in the last show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now you guys say, no, oh, my goodness, no. No, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, collaborating, you know, with the Russians, you know, for blah, 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 blah. No, he just took advantage of a good business deal. And if, if anybody else did, so you know, we deal in tens of thousands, he deals in tens of millions. Yes, it's, it, that's, that's his world. We have people living on this planet that have, we say, oh, you make six figures. Well, there's a big difference between $150,000 and $850,000. You, you live on our planet, you live, but you, you're making different decisions in your world, just like the seven-figure income, the eight-figure income, the nine-figure income, or the 12-figure income people. They, they live on our planet, but they live in different worlds than us. So, so we can't comprehend what takes place. But, you know, they do deals in, you know, in tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. And we do billions. We do deals in tens and hundreds of dollars, and and so I have a problem with that. And certainly wouldn't say, oh my goodness, you know, if you want to talk about Russian conspiracy, conspiracy, then let's let's talk about Bernie Sanders and his and his wife, you know, running his honeymoon in Russia. I don't know. I mean, how, how it's it's McCarthyism, you know. It's 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 like let's let's create a witch hunt, you know, that doesn't you know because we got to sell some newspapers. It's just ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's certainly. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's certainly a witch hunt. I mean, and, and I mean, they're going to do everything they can. It's going to be a long four years. But, I mean, they're going to do everything they can to uh, to try to impeach him. I mean, in the, in the stats that was earlier today on the on the show where you know Maxine Waters, you know, it's her mission now uh, to make sure that Donald Trump does not stay president, which is you know I, I can't say unbelievable. But uh, it's, it's it's completely believable, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah so, that's what they're. Yeah, I didn't know if you needed me. Mm-hmm. If you needed me to stay on for uh, till after midnight or not, but I was planning on on shutting off around eleven thirty ish, and it's it's about that time. But you tell me if you want to keep oh, me on okay. and talk, then I'll be happy to hang out for a while. It's up to you. What what tell we didn't get a <clears throat> we didn't get an opportunity much to uh, discuss, uh, you know, what, what you're working on in your campaign and, and things of that nature. So uh, let's go ahead and, and you know, give, give you some time to be able to do that. Stay well, thank on you. Thank you. Can... Yeah. Um, first of all, again, if anybody's interested, go to www.jeffjones4congress.com. Um, updated videos, new content. Um, you know, we have a very strategic plan. Um, I believe that we still uh, have to address um, uh, education, which is still my number one platform, and I'm talking about a major paradigm shift in education, um, uh, economic revitalization, and uh, and healthcare. Those are and when it, when we say healthcare, we've got to include all of this. We've got to include Medicare, Medicaid, you know, Veterans Affairs. Um, this is all part of that deal, you know, and. Um, so um, we need to be aware of all facets of how it affects and, 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 and where it goes. So um, so that's where I'm at. I just believe that somewhere along the line we need to return a voice to community, and I hope to be able to do that. 
Um, I, I certainly am so appreciative of, of an opportunity like this and having so much time together to, to hang out and talk, you know, in general on, you know, on, on topics. And, um, you know, so, uh, so kudos to you, Robert, and thank you so much for having me back. And, uh, again, uh, we, we do have a big flight. We do, we would like to take our campaign nationally because, you know, a lot of people don't think about this, but, you know, a congressman takes an oath to office to uphold the Constitution of the United States and to do so without mental, mental reservation. Well, I'm sorry, our Constitution is under attack, and our current congressional representation, every chance she gets, attacks our Constitution. And um, whether it's the Second Amendment, most people don't understand the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is because of the, the Third Amendment. And, you know, as John was talking about the Ninth and the Tenth Amendment, these are powerful pictures of the Fourteenth Amendment. Fourteenth Amendment could probably pretty much settle most of our social, you know, concerns, uh, things that probably don't really don't belong in politics. But anyways, uh, but we've made them political. And so our, uh, we need to restore that. We need to revitalize it. We need to have people that actually will take that oath and realize that we're not going to infringe upon these uh, these benefits. Um, and so, it, and, and, and that the, our Constitution is not really a set of rights. It's a it's a document to protect our, our God-given unalienable rights to exist as human beings, as John had said earlier, in the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. And so um, uh, we need to stand together, and I, we need, I'm hoping that I can realize our plan is this. If I can find 150,000 people to make a $10 one-time commitment, uh, we'll raise the funds that we need to take on uh, the 12th district and, and oost some of this dynasty politics out. Or... or $10 a month or $10 a week, and the numbers just drop, and you can play with the numbers there. But I'm hoping that we can get some commitment, and I appreciate the opportunity to say so. Thanks, Robert. All right, you're welcome, Josh. And, you know, the campaign's what? Is it, you know, 2018? So there's definitely some, you know, some months away. It never hurts to get an earlier start on it, uh, especially when there's uh, funds to be raised. Now, do you think that, uh, you know, what we with Trump, you know, what, you know, winning – Michigan, you think that could be something that uh, perhaps would be able to help your campaign? It seems like people are well, more open to uh, the possibilities of a Republican being elected. Well, certainly he, you know, he won most of the state, and you know, there's certainly a lot of kudos going around, uh, you know, for what he did here in Michigan, which was you know such a pivotal pivotal point. I, mean, I the office, uh, the Republican office that we worked out of, we was out of Riverview, Michigan. We called it Down River Community, which is mostly blue collar, uh, you know, Reagan Democrats. And, uh, so, um, so people with values and they're not, you know, they don't want to, uh, they do not want to accept the, the idealisms of, you know, of the progressive movement of the democratic party and people are, are, are jumping ship and, and, and coming on board. Although again, no one likes to, uh, there's a lot of, there's still a divide over those, over the divide of, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? And, I'm going to vote the way my daddy did and stuff like that. But, no, I think that um, overall I think Trump had a, created a wave, and I think that there's still going to be people on it. Um, I do believe that we have to work twice as hard, and I've got, you know, I'm, I'm trying to undo 82 years of the same family, you know, uh, you know, owning that seat. And I'm sorry, but, you know, the voice is not for us. The voice is for just follow the money. We need to find out where the voice is at, the decisions that get made. So, um uh, there's a great um, uh, resource called uh, Vote Spotter and uh, uh, Vote Smart, and they um, they both of those entities 
when they do um, uh, an analogy of how our, our congressional district votes, uh, most of the time she votes 60 to 70 percent against her constituents. And but you know, these are these are the battle that we've got to that we've got to take on. And um, now's the time to address it. And it's it, it's really not. You know, this is March, so we're talking nine months. It'll be 2018, January 2018, um, and it's almost April, right? So it's almost eight, really almost like eight months. And then we'll have the 11 month cycle following that of of hard campaigning. So you know, it's really not too soon. Um, it's just awkward because you know for those it's the ugly cycle of of, of two year uh, two year terms for U.S. Congress, and you know you finish one, and you start the next. And that's where I'm at. I'm right, right. Starting in order. So, so I, I really hope that someday we can go to a six-year term and and then go to go to two two-term limits. That would be reasonable. You know, two terms in Congress, well, I, right, that, in the that, Senate. And that's a very good point. And that's a very good point. I agree to now because, uh, and, and real quick note, not to chew up uh, our own horn much here. But uh, when people are asking, you know, Robert, why were you supporting Donald Trump in the election? Say, well, because he, of all the candidates that ran, he was the only candidate that could have taken Michigan. And that's one of the things I said. I said there's two states, you know, I said there's four, but the two of those states that I think Trump can take that no other candidate, uh, you know, two of the states I thought maybe he could have, at least early on, taken, and that would have been, I thought there might have been a possibility of California, and definitely I thought there was a possibility of New York. Of course, we don't. Didn't take New York, but I, I definitely thought that he had an opportunity, and I said, uh, where he could win Michigan and Pennsylvania, you know, states like Pennsylvania, you know, that that none of them, Ted Cruz, none of the none of those candidates could have taken Pennsylvania or Michigan, none of them. I think only Trump no, could have, no. and he did. You know, there's there, there you know. Um, you know, there's been so many songs written over the years about, you know, uh, different pockets of the country and certainly um you know even though the beach boys were talking about their you know the girls they met around the country um the people that live in the midwest are kind of a different breed you know people uh than certainly east coast new yorkers or west coast you know californians and so um and there there's an understanding of you know we're we're uh we're willing to um um to not be as skeptical and we're willing to take a little bit of rust with our steel, I guess maybe I'll have to put it that way. So, <laughs> so it's okay. It's all good. And I think that's where, um, so for whatever we question or whatever we, you know, you know, people, people on, on both ends of the spectrum tried to try to question. In fact, if you look at it, you know, if you look at a chart, basically, you know, you'll see, you know, blue in New York and blue in California and the rest of the country was red. Um, and so, right. uh, you know, now, but now, now they're referring to Michigan as a purple state, you know, so Pennsylvania is a purple state. Ohio is a purple state, you know, so, so these are, you know, these are things that are happening in there. So the, the Trump wave is alive. It's, and, and that, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, he'll be able to jump in and say, Hey, let's, let's undo this, uh, this, uh, this, you know, this Detroit to Ann Arbor, you know, uh, uh, stronghold and dynasty of one family, and um, and and let's get some fresh thoughts and ideas, you know, into Washington uh, and a voice that actually lives in the community that they represent. Do you think it'd be possible if uh, you you could get to them early enough to? And, and Kelly, I do see you want to chime in. I'll get you in on the line. 
uh, or into the shell. I keep been saying into the line all night. Um, so we'll get you, we'll get you in Kelly, but do you think that there's a, you know, maybe even a possibility that, you know, even if it's just for, for one rally or something of that nature, uh, for, for Trump to come out and, and do a rally with you and kind of, you know, show physical support of your campaign. You know, I, I, Would that I be something that so. be, you, you uh, try to in, do? Back in February, 2016, I sent him an email um, that congratulated him because I really thought that early. What I was seeing, and I walked, uh, my district's about 1,500 square miles, and I walked most of it. And I don't care how strong the, the community was that was blue, when I went to events, we could not keep Trump supplies in stock. And even the things that you had to pay for, the free stuff was gone in, in moments, and the stuff that, that you had to pay for was generally gone in, in a matter of hours. You know, buttons and, you know, and, and bumper stickers and, you know, T-shirts and hats and stuff. It was gone. It was just, we just, there was a massive, massive, you know, voice that was saying, we're done with establishmentarianism, and um, let's, 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 let's make a voice that rings loud in this community. The biggest problem that I, I, don't, I didn't have the same type of name recognition as, you know, a family that, you know, has been in office for, uh, you know, like I said, 82 years. But um, so wow. there were people that didn't vote, not because they, just, they didn't know who I was. So I have to spend the money to get that out. And I really do. I do believe that I will establish a relationship, Ronald Romney, Who's now head of the RNC? Uh, you know, was you know the, the 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 head of the chair here in Michigan for the GOP, and now Ron Weiser, uh, who is now the chair, um, you know, lives in Ann Arbor. This is his community. So, um, uh, Rob, Dr. Rob Steele, who ran for Congress a few years back, and he's the one of the committee men as well. You know, and he we just shared uh, a space to, uh, together and. You know, we openly talked and shook my hand and said, this is the guy we need, you know, um, uh, at a town, a town hall forum this, this past weekend. So, yeah, I think that we have a movement, you know, pushing towards that. And I really believe that uh, uh, somewhere along the line, and even though Trump's come to Michigan multiple times, he was just in Ypsilanti, again, my district. Um, but uh, somewhere along the line, we'll, you know, we'll be able to make that, uh, you know, that connection. And I believe we're on the same page in regards to what needs to get done. But there's a well, that'd, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we're believing for it, and um, um, it, it was probably the biggest. I, I was doing really well in Ann Arbor until uh, Barack Obama showed up, you know, on campus at U of M, uh, you know, yeah. with, with Debbie Dingell. Now she tagged into everything, but again, that was, you know, certainly did. We had eighty thousand votes that dropped in in three minutes. I was ahead the whole night up until about eleven thirty. Eighty thousand votes mm. from Ann Arbor dropped in in a three-minute period of time and you know but i don't you know what why question my fight it's you know it's, it's crazy but um so we know what we, we now have our own data we have our own we know where our swing boat is we'll work on that and we've got the uh the district pegged and and spelled out with 268 precincts and we're gonna work them all well, good luck. We definitely, uh, when you, you know, keep posted, especially as things get closer, it is a while from now, which is which is good. It sounds like uh, you're, you know, on your way. And but yeah, we definitely want to have you back on the show, make commentary topics, and of course talk about your campaign and and look uh, forward to it anytime. You know, whatever we could try to do there, just uh, just let us know. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Appreciate it. God bless. Hey, Mr. Well, you're Jones. welcome, Jeff. 
Hey, John, take care. I got a question. Let's go ahead and uh, wait, what's that, John? I was going to ask Mr. Jones a quick question before he left. I'm here. I'm still here. I haven't hung up. I oh, there you talking, go. So I thought, well, let's go ahead and, and uh, if you have a question, I'll go ahead and answer it. Yeah, I, I just struggle with when to jump in or not. I don't want to be disruptive. But um, have you ever seen the movie with Robin Williams called Man of the Year? Man of the Year. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, he he says at one point he's talking to a, a reporter, and he goes, you know, politicians are a lot like diapers. You They need to be changed frequently and for the same reason. That's yes, absolutely right. <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly. Good stuff, man. I remember that line. I remember that line. I must have seen it somewhere. It's It's got to be 20 years ago, but, yeah. <laughs> I do remember the line distinctively. Thanks, John. I just thought it was no, funny, and I didn't know if you'd seen it, because it, it's kind of an unconventional running of office, kind of like Trump did. It's just a kind of a kick to watch. I'll have to. I'll make sure I yeah, put it on my I, I, hit I, list uh, to review it again. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I, I haven't. Uh, I don't think I've seen it. Uh, but and speaking of, uh, you know, funny lines and things of that nature, I know our friend Kelly likes to do that on occasion. So let's go ahead and welcome Kelly. How you doing, Kelly? Uh, welcome to the show tonight. How are you? Hey, I'm doing okay. I'm sorry. <clears throat> my friend's going some real tough difficulties, so I'm spending time with him. But I, I did want to ask our guest, he was discussing, uh, and by the way, guests, you know, I've only been on for like 10 minutes. It's pretty eloquent. I, li- I like your uh, communication style. Um, so I have a... And where's, yeah. where, where's Jim at, Kelly? He was supposed to come in here tonight. Where and what? So where's Jim? He was supposed to come in and call in here tonight. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Jim is a 100-mile-an-hour kind of guy. Anyway, uh Right. Yes. I got this question then. It's ba- it was based on your discussion of uh you know, uh term limits of some kind were in the House for a while, then in the Senate, and then they're gone and but, you know, some politicians and maybe you would favor this, some top politicians have favored uh one term in office and then uh several terms in jail. Several terms in jail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One in office, one yeah. in jail. <laughs> well, certainly, again, um, if 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 people did what they did, if, if people in the real world do what politicians did, you know, half half the country, you know, be in prison. But politicians <laughs> don't get to go there. So again, it's amazing. Again, I, I call it. Well, they can do insider trading. We can't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We use the term geopolitical trading, but. Uh, it, what we think is legislation, most of it's just a matter of moving money, and we don't we don't know it, we don't see it, um, but but they know what's going on and they're exposed to it, and so so they move the market uh, and then they create legislation to mark to move the market into their direction, and most of them are in for selfish reasons. And I you know, I apologize, but that's yeah. Well, that's so why skeptical. I, I I would hope so many family men, maybe after their kids are out of the house, run for office because raising a family changes you. For the better, obviously. Um, yeah. Of course, with kids, you lose a lot of hair, but you know. But I, do you know? Um, did you know that about every session of Congress, um, congressman is, is is indicted by a grand jury? Did you know that? I I, I know that 
I remember Kelly talking to you once before, and I knew that you were really connected in you know in the legal world. And so I didn't know that well, statistic, but that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Some people, uh, well, they ask me, "Are you an attorney?" And I say, "No, I'm honest." But um, yeah, I'm trying a lot. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Leland Yee was a big one in 2014. He was a state house senator in California, and he was involved in illegal arms trade. At the same time, he was an anti-gun person. I guess he came out of the closet. Um, anyway, <laughs> the grand jury pulled him out of the closet. House Majority Leader Tom DeLay. Uh, let's see, Brewster, Senator Brewster from Maryland a long time ago, even judges. But typically, yeah, it's uh, every now and then. And the reason why, uh, maybe I've explained this before, but the reason why a lot of congressmen don't get indicted by the grand jury is because the federal prosecutors under the attorney general, um, they don't present the evidence. No evidence you can't uh, get indicted. That's how Ted Kennedy got away with murder at Chappaquiddick. No evidence you can't indict, sorry. So that's a law in Congress that needs to change where, well, we already have this right to, uh, I've actually appeared before a grand jury at my own request, but that was um, county and under the right of petition, we still have that. But if you could imagine Sessions letting people like me stand out in the hallway uh, claiming 18 U.S.C. 1504, here's a letter I wish to appear before the grand jury. Here's the evidence. Here you go. Go get them, guys. That would drain the swamp so fast if everyday citizens utilize their full power and the attorney general doesn't block people. Um, I mean, I've come a long way in my research, obviously, but um, that, that's you know that's why uh, so many other politicians get away with this. Even uh, first Chief Justice um, uh, Jay, John Jay, the first Chief Justice, told the grand jury, "Let no corruptions go unnoticed. You will present them." You know, obviously, corruption is well government. So it's quite an interesting observation and the people with money and power something inside their soul they're not they're not satisfied they're not fulfilled they think that they get more power ego and they get more ego fed and worship and it's an endless vicious cycle compared to uh really helping others and i i just wish i really wish more family men family women yes there's been some uh you know, like Bachman, she, you know, had a family and became a, a congressman, yeah. ran, ran for president. You know, I, I liked a lot of what she was saying. But, you know, I just think um, that would be really nice if, 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 if family men, mothers, dads would would run, even if even if they just start out local in, in the school board. And it's an easy one to win. Um, I don't know right. what your thoughts on that. No, absolutely. I just wholeheartedly agree with you. Again, if you don't, how do you, how do you represent community if you don't live in it? You know, again, our congressional representation, um, you know, prior to Debbie was her husband John, who grew up as a page in Washington for his dad. You know, so, um, you know, so to me, that's a whole detached world. It's not the real world. Um, but you know, here's where I live. This is where I grew up. Um, with, like I said, with 11 children and 13 grandkids, the decisions I'm going to make are not going to only affect today, but they're also going to be, I'm going to have a concern about what's happening tomorrow. So 
So I'm looking for things that affect the next 20, 30 years of our community um, and and not to wash it under, you know, a, 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 an entitlement or a title because I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm hanging out in Washington, D.C. It's a, it's a beautiful town. I love it when I'm there, um, but I have no plans on living there. Um, this, I, I really think we, 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 we have enough technology today that I could probably – that we should be able to uh, save save the save America billions of dollars and 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 have an office in my home with a Zoom Zoom meeting for congressional meetings, <laughs> rather than fly there, sit there, and 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 spend ten dollars for a cup of coffee, so on, <laughs> on taxpayer money. You know, so but, yeah, so I'd rather I'd rather so, so yeah yeah I think family uh, people who live in the community are the people that ought to represent us. No, absolutely. Yeah, I you know even working up the chain of command from uh, you know school board or some other whatever board, water district board, fire district board, uh, board of regents yeah, a, is a huge one with the uh, colleges. You know. Yeah, commissioners, um, county commissioners, a lot of different things. Uh, city oh, council, yeah. so many different options. Yeah, I'd certainly. County, uh, yeah, county county supervisors. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm. One of these days, I'm going to call up my brother. He's a doctor. His kid's, you know, a few years out of the, out of the house. And I'm like, buddy, hey, you got to run for office. Yeah, man, no, look, you're – I know your integrity. Run. Run. I School board. I don't care. Run. And maybe he'll catch the bug. I'll have to help him with yeah. the Constitution quite a bit. But it's it's him. It's, you know, that's that's what we need. And, you know, we can talk about it all day long. But it's, you know, I just, I would hope Americans continue. And I think with Trump, too, um, and I've been mentioning this on the show, and get your thoughts on this. He's going to have, the first two years is going to be hard. But when when we get more freshmen in the House and in the Senate, he's going to be able to get the work done he's been trying to get done. Um, do you think it's going to be a rough two years? Do you think he'll be better in a couple years? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, certainly people are counting on a few things to happen. You know, I mean, you know, it, you know it, hopefully, hopefully, again, um, you know, he he's willing to he's willing to take on the media. He has. He's pointed them out. Um, that's a battle that you know I wish he didn't have to fight, but you know he is. Um, I think that uh, I do believe that you know the same. You know, the, the next two years are are going to be exhausting, and we're going to see. You know, uh, you know him age like we do a lot of presidents. The first two years, all of a sudden they find out it isn't it isn't what they thought it was. You know, and uh, um, so uh, again, uh, I you know hopefully uh, hopefully that um, you know again uh, we collectively as a voice in community can help bolster that. And as you said, if we if we can bring some more freshmen in, uh, we'll, not only we'll have uh, uh, a fresh sound, but people that aren't hooked into the lobbyist, you know, agendas, and uh, you know, these are all part of the things that have to change. And if we can, if we can, I believe that's that's what people are expecting. They're expecting to bring out more people that are. Do we want to use the word commoners? I don't know, but you know, they're a little bit more common uh, to uh, to run for office, and not uh, not just because they've been. Uh, They've been the, the the daughter or son of a billionaire. Yeah, well, I, the phrase I like to use is "everyday people." Yeah, 
yeah, everyday people is a good uh, way yeah. to use that. Yeah, one sure. Part where, yeah. You know, every day yeah. we, we, we're out here suffering going to work, having a stressful day or not, you know, take care of the kids, just snag, get up, pay bills, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that, that's just kind of the pain of life that humbles people, if you will, to where they're um, they're more service-oriented uh, or servant-oriented, if you will. And it's interesting to see. Yeah, they're more sensitive to other people's needs. It's interesting about Bernie Sanders, why he had such a following, and I worked on election integrity, and I'm not surprised at the 80,000 votes that came in in two minutes. But um, oh, Real quick, Kelly, because I do have uh, I got a programming note real quick. Uh, we do see about the three minutes to the top of the hour, so soon we'll be going into the extended period of what we sometimes lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark. Uh, we do have Naj on the line, so with Naj, we'll get you into the show uh, as well. Uh, and so, but uh, don't uh, let the phone uh, disconnect, because if that does happen, uh, after the next three minutes, unfortunately, you will not be able to call in. So keep, uh, you know, keep those lines charged. <laughs> so I just want to put that little programming note, Kelly. Uh, sorry for the interruption, but go ahead. Okay. Well, yeah, well, Bernie Sanders, I got to work with those folks because, you know, Hillary uh, <laughs> cheated Bernie out of at least 13 states in the primary. And um, you start studying Bernie Sanders, he, he – he actually cares about people. I know he believes in the socialism thing. You know, if anything, I could say as a compliment, he gave socialism a good name. Oh, I'm sorry. It's called progressivism. It was used to be called <laughs> communism, but they killed people. And, and so does the Socialist <laughs> Party of Germany, you know. I'm sorry. Let's go back. Progressive. Okay. So the progressives, you know, they got me to think, and I opened my You know what? He does. Bernie Sanders generally cares about people. And I think that's one thing that, that, that well, why they he, were, he had quite the following. Well, he had a huge following in Ann Arbor, you know, uh, you know, University of Michigan, and so and then there's then there's Eastern Michigan University in Ypsilanti. So, so my district's really really loaded at that end. It's uh, what they call Washtenaw County, and my district's my district's half of that county, and half of about four other cities. It's crazy. It's been gerrymandered so many crazy times to to do what it does, but it, uh, but yeah. Um, uh, we were hoping. In fact, I had Bernie Sanders fans um, on my team. Uh, they uh, they liked some of my ideas, and that um, wasn't wasn't that weren't so traditional. Not that they not that I was socialistic in any way. Um, they just I had a, a fresh, different approach to traditional stuff. And so, uh, but yeah, you know, again, my districts. You know, there's a few places like this around the country. It's just a uh, it, it, okay, let me just put it. It's not Grand Rapids. It's not Lansing. It's not Traverse City. It's the 12th district. It's what people call the Downriver area, and it's made up of Ford Motor, UAW, Teamsters, uh, teachers, um, a lot of blue collar, um, chemical plants, and um, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's not the it's not the exclusive uh, north suburbs of Detroit. You know where where everybody moved out to. Um, and so it makes up a very unique uh, group of people. That's why there's only, there's 80,000 registered Republicans, 120,000 registered Democrats, but there's, but there's, um, you know, f- almost 400,000 unregistered voters, you know, uh, or, or undecided voters, you know, in the district. So that's, that's where our play is at. Oh, wow. Well, that's interesting. And you won, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you? I'm sorry, I came in late. Are you a congressman or are you a state house senator? No, no, I'm 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 running. I'm running you, again. I, I ran against a 
a family, the Dingles, that have been there for 82 years. And then, uh, um, now, how can you? Now, now, how can? Sorry, just like Wiener, how can you win a congressional seat with the last name of Dingle? I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you're thinking you're laughing right out of the house. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. The longest, yeah, there's so many things that you can do with that, but uh, I, 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 I try to I try to run a respectable campaign. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, well, let I me do the making fun of it then. Now, I have enough battles to fight. I want to. I want to give you a tip, um, and I've told this to other people running for office. Um, you can take the show and splash it around the web, Facebook, emails, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You will have an edge because get people get to talk to you for to hear what you're about for a good half hour, hour, whatever. Now, if you have um, some whiz kid that wants to help, they can take. Um, this, you know, uh, however long you've been on, they can take this and they can cut out pieces or they can have the full long version. And you splash that around the web, people are going to, oh, I know more than just what I see on TV or, or what at the website. It, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's a get-to-know-you kind of a, a tool. And um, so I, I would actually encourage that. And, you know, uh, Robert can email you the, the uh, MP3 file and and da 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 da. da. So mm-hmm. anyway, we, 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 we run a really strong social media campaign, and um, that's exactly what we do. We you know we clip them, and we put some music to them. Um, I usually average between five and nine thousand hits a week, and um, wow. um, during when we, we I hired I hired, I hired a social media company uh, unfortunately a little bit later, but it was. Uh, the last month of the election, and we were up. We went from nine thousand to twenty-five thousand uh, views a week. So, wow! Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, so we. Here's, uh, yeah. Here's another tip. I mean, that's awesome. I'm glad you're on it. Here's another uh, question because I'll, I'll get to another tip from this. What, what do you feel about corporations and their and their lobbyist capabilities to get their products sold to uh, a legislature? I'm sorry. Say that again. Lobbyists. Yes. Are hired by corporations to get paid big bucks. The corporations yes. get a law passed that favors their business, sometimes for right. sale of a product like safety products. All right. Where, where are you on the corporate lobbyist thing? Well, I didn't receive any PAC dollars for 2016. That was my choice. I didn't pursue it. I didn't, you know. Uh, uh, but now my 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 competition, um, 96% of of her money comes from corporate PACs. And oh my so gosh. Less than four percent less than four percent of her funding comes from people actually that live in the district. So uh, so yeah, so now that I have you know twenty months to do this, and we are addressing some. I, I certainly don't wanna uh and, and I hate to you know, I I've been told you know Jeff you got four million dollars you know you can buy the seat. Um but and so I refuse to participate in that sort of uh, of understanding. Um, you know, but again, that that is kind of how it plays, and uh, you know, the, the pay-to-play mentality is deep within you know every district, and so um, well, I, if, I can, if I can if I can appeal solely on the facts of the Second Amendment, then at least I can I I did go to you know quite a few gun ranges and gun shops and speak on the Second Amendment, Second and Third Amendment, and and I got. Individual support. I'd much rather have ten dollars from one hundred and fifty thousand people than than ten 
corporations or 10 PACs, super PACs, are getting hundreds of thousands, much, much, much rarer that way. Oh, that's beautiful because let me tell you, I mean, this is a tip for you. Um, in working with, with lots of, uh, you know, we're a <clears throat> election integrity group, and uh, we were working with the Bernie Sanders folks mostly. And I, I got, to, I like these people actually. A lot of them can fell in love with one of them. That's another story. But, um, but their main concern is they don't like the corporate lobbyists. They don't like the corporate control of America. They understand the Federal Reserve and banks and this and that. I mean, they, I was like, wow, you know, the left and the right ought to be getting together on this corporate and this corporate lobbying thing. So if that's something that you really tout, you're going to pull a lot from. Uh, the, the Democratic side of your district, um, because people, we people are tired of it. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, awesome. We, uh, almost uh, almost thirty percent of my votes came in from Democrats. Wow, good. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, we were able to win them, reach them, and because I live in the community, and I just you know I you know um, my cousins, my family, they're you know we we you know we're raised in the UAW. These are this is where we live. This is. You know, uh, teamsters, and you know, uh, and so just a bunch of hardworking people that have lost their community over the last fifty years. That that's been sold out to, uh, out of the country. Our jobs. So yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, that's beautiful if you can shout. And I'm I'm going to end here because we got others on. If you can shout that your competitor um, is receiving corporate PAC money. You're especially the youth. I'd say, you know, when I say youth, I mean like say 20 to 20 to 40, uh, particularly yeah. 20 to 35. You really tell the financial supporting of your competition versus your refusal of the corporate PAC money. I I I'd love to see what the results are going to be. Yeah, that's well, that's where our effort is. I have actually a group of uh, 16, 17, and 18 year olds that are doing nothing but uh, creating. Millennials for Jeff Jones, students for Jeff Jones, uh, Jeff Jones for Future, blah blah blah, and they're and they're addressing people to on that ten dollar uh, uh, ten dollar one time contribution factor. Well, that's how Bernie Sanders got a lot of money. Yeah, so a, that's, little, that's little, a lot of little little. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. I mean, I I people, my conservative friends don't like this, but I think Bernie Sanders should now be our president because he would have he would have beat Hillary. He, you know, through other things, I can tell you, it's my belief. He actually won the primary, and people like him. It wasn't a, I hate Trump, I'm voting for Hillary. I hate Hillary, I'm voting for Trump. People generally like him. Yeah, yeah. And and, and so the ten dollar, the the ten dollar, the five dollar, the fifteen dollar, and then you get you get the mass supporters telling their friends. Word spreads, and and Bernie it was it was Bernie was a stunner. And and you could see he 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 is looking out for people. Well, I have to disagree with that. I just, I just cannot see the, the people of the United States, you know, uh, electing a, you know, self-proclaimed. I mean, I know they didn't like, you know, the people, there was people who genuinely liked them. But, I mean, I just can't see, you know, I just can't see the, the people of the United States, that's, you know, electing itself a valid socialist. I just couldn't say. I, I know. Do I, I think know. it would have yeah. been closer? I know. I know. I know. Alex Jones believed that Bernie would have beat Trump. He stated uh, that on air. I, I think, I think there's a lot of nice people, but um, you know, I, I I certainly have have grown up enough to not let just because someone's nice sway my sway my convictions, and my convictions run deeper than than because someone is kind to me and buys me a cup of coffee. But anyways, um, 
I, I, I've learned to look past that. God bless those that, uh, you know, that are kind. It's good stuff. It makes community a better place to live rather than fighting the uglies of certainly what's out there. All right, gentlemen, God bless. Have a great evening. Talk to you later. Thanks I appreciate it, Jeff. You have a good evening. Thanks for coming on. Let's go ahead and uh, bring Naj in. And, uh, Naj, uh, thank you very much for coming to the show. Uh, you know, kind of uh, I would have liked to ask the gentleman on. a question. Oh, he jumped off. I know. He he was uh, on since uh, the beginning, so he came here <laughs> right at about 10 o'clock. Uh, uh, I've seen, I seen you in there a couple times, Naj. Wish you would have pushed that one on that number dial when he got you and you could ask him some questions. Yeah, it was a little noisy earlier, so I didn't want to come on your show with all that background noise. Oh, I, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your your, your thought on that. Well, you, oh, you, know, you, did, you know, we said, what would you like to make? Uh, what would you like to have asked him uh, if you had the opportunity? Oh. Well, if you like, I mean, I could even send him, uh, um, you know, send him the question, and then he can uh, he can respond. I can get it to you. So, well, well two questions. Uh, does he consider emergency managers uh, anti-democratic? And the second question would be, uh, does he consider Flint, Michigan, a crime scene? Hmm. So Flint, Michigan, a crime scene. The water. And what was the first one? Uh, does he consider uh, emergency managers anti-democratic? What do you mean by emergency managers? Oh, well, that's what they did in uh, in Michigan. Uh, they essentially had emergency managers come in and take over uh, because of the problems in Detroit and some other areas, and they could overrule the city council and mayors and oh, make wow. uh, all of the decisions, and hence Flint, <laughs> hence Detroit. So, did, yeah. Did the, did the governor send them in or did the feds? Uh, no, this was uh, this was something that that uh, the party pushed and was able to get voted in on. So once you once you make that vote, once you make it happen, at that point they have uh, executive power there. And uh, Snyder, the uh, chief culprit of Flint, uh, that is how he was appointed. So you sent state legislature thing, and they sent people not from the community to come in as emergency managers into a community who probably had to ask directions from the locals. Well, it's like uh, it's like when you primary somebody or a runoff or something like that. You run and saying somebody is incompetent, not doing the job well. Uh, you get appointed, and at that point, you have pretty much total total control there uh, over budgetary wow. matters. Wow. So that is how they got the water of Flint diverted from their old water source to the new one, which made everybody sick. And all the problems that came after. So that's what happened in Flint. Oh goodness, water treatment plants are very complicated, and a politician running my water plant—I don't think so. <laughs> I'm actually civil. No, 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 no. It wasn't a water plant. It was the river source. They used the, well, the Detroit river, river yeah, well, for a long right, time, yeah. and Detroit actually—you know—Detroit made a nice bundle off of using that water source to sell to other places. And they diverted to somewhere else, which was polluted from, you know, years of industrialization before. And that's why it wasn't used anymore, but they used it anyway to cut the budget because he said he was coming in to straighten out the books. So they straightened out the books at that, at that cost, meaning people's yeah. lives. 
Well, wow. Well, one of the best. I mean, why didn't they drill a well? That's the best place to start. You get good water out of a well. You test the well, of course. Say you Fort Jones out here in C.C. County, I don't even have to treat it. Into the <clears throat> from the well into the tank, tank by gravity. There you go. Um, you can get water that good. It complies with the state standards, you know, federal standards. There you go. They still have to test it every now and then, of course. But yeah, but think about Michigan though. Think about what type of industrial hub Michigan was and how many different areas you really can't do that in because of what was left behind. Well, you you see, that's why it's a difficult difficult proposition, man. Not necessarily because you can, you know, go a couple miles outside of the city, upgrading from the groundwater flow and the industrial contaminants that may, you know, maybe different areas, all that stuff, gas stations, et cetera, et cetera. You can go a couple miles where the groundwater is flowing downhill into the city and you're not going to have that contamination and so even if there is a little bit say from fertilizers which is really hard to anyway but you can treat that cheaply and pipe it and of course was a politician making that decision or somebody qualified if they're a politician do they have the sense to ask a civil engineer hey what do you think about this idea well good idea what's going on in the Oroville Dam here in California is any well man this is I understand what you're saying, and you're trying to come up with a simple solution, but you, you're going to have to look into this, man. It's much deeper than that. There was one member on the board of his whose, uh, whose wife actually worked for Nestle, and they you know, organized the sale of uh, some of Michigan's uh, waterways and lakes to Nestle. Like, there's a whole lot to this. Oh, I know. It gets complicated. I'm in the West. Our water issues are very complicated. There's attorneys that specialize in water law and all that stuff. But... Um, it's one of these things where you do a feasibility study, okay? Let's feasibility study. Do we do this, this? What's the cost? What if people get sick? Oh, goodness, the city's going to get sued. Oh, gee, that's going to be a heck of a lot of money. You know, well, okay, maybe it'll take a few more years. Why don't we wait? I mean, there, there's obviously – there are political – this is what's frustrating, seeing how cities work. There are political decisions in public works that hurt people. And sometimes, you know, hey – Okay, we need a grant. Let's get a state grant. Let's get a federal grant. Something we got to do. Something we're gonna have bad water. Um, there's there's political choices, even though there's being technical advisors to Pinto when the gas tank was blowing up. The engineers said, "Hey, hey, we got this problem, man." And the business people made you know a political choice, if you will. They said, "Hey, let's just uh, you know, let's just pay these people off." Well, they got caught, and the Fed made them pay like double what they the businessmen were gonna have to pay because people were getting killed. There are political decisions, and it's very frustrating. Um, and the question is, do these politicians ask the right people? Do they ask the right questions? I know it's complicated. Um, and I, I'll admit I don't know everything about it, but, hey, how about a feasibility study? <laughs> Before you, Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah, just take, just take a look at it, see what you see, you'll, you'll come to a different conclusion, man. This is, a, this is not only corruption 101, but it's like the scale of it. It is hardly known by most. They don't see who the players are in it. But if you take a chance to take a look at it, you'll see what I'm talking about. Like, it's really, really bad. Uh, there are going to be yeah. documentaries on Flint in the future, and we're all going to well, be like, wow, that went on when I lived, you know, during my lifetime. Yeah, well, I guarantee mm-hmm. you there's about a 99% probability there's some civil engineer that was looking at the whole thing, very familiar with the whole mess, and he's going to tell people they didn't listen. The politicians didn't listen. I, a 99% I listen. chance. Of yeah. course. Nodge. Yes. Nodge, is, uh, now, as far as this emergency management guy, is that the same deal in Detroit where the guy was single, 
when he went in on this deal, and then he worked some kind of special financing deal with this lady banker that he kind of got cushy with. And then as soon as he got that part of the deal done with her, he resigned and left. And then just a few months or a year later, he married that girl, and now him and the banker chick are splitting the profits. Is that the same <laughs> deal for one of them? Sir, you're talking about a coincidence. <laughs> oh, is that what that is? But yeah, you're, talk, you're you talking about the same called? thing. Yeah, no, because <laughs> I just I just seen the thing on I think it was CNN or a week and a half or so ago, and I was like, now that's kind of nutty. This guy becomes the emergency <laughs> manager, and then he gets this relationship with this girl at the bank, and the, she happens to be high up, like a CEO of some kind. And then shortly after mm-hmm. he does a deal with her, he ends up marrying her. So I mean, it just seems yeah, like man. there's a conflict of interest there. Yeah, man. Wait till you see how much money was made out of a lot of the pain that's there. Like I said, the Nestle deal is even more egregious because you're talking about the Great Lakes region, and really that's one of Michigan's biggest assets, and that's something they should hold on to in the future especially. But when you start talking about them selling that off and then somebody being connected to Nestle, uh, the water division, you know, being involved in the sale, uh, you you start really – I had a professor at uh, college who hated Nestle. Well, she never she didn't have anything good to say about it. And all yeah. the city people lost their pensions and retirement and stuff, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Because the city can't pay, city went bankrupt in Detroit. So you know, what can you do, man? But either way, take a look at it tonight, y'all, and, and get an idea on it. And and like I said, you'll probably find some stuff I haven't found yet, and you and we'll really be able to talk about this then because there's so <laughs> much going on. Uh, the, the other point I wanted to make, everybody keeps forgetting, uh, Bernie Sanders is not a socialist. He's a democratic socialist, meaning he wants all the tenets of, uh, you know, a republic or a democracy in place with the ideal of socialism as far as public works, uh, certain institutions. So it's, it's, it's essentially the same as now, but he would be talking about what you socialize. And every industrialized nation in this on this globe has a mix of capitalism and socialism. Uh, we got to stop being scared of words. Well, actually, how our infrastructure is put in place, the people vote for a bond city by city, and then, you know, the bonds are sold in the stock market. They got the money. They do the infrastructure, you know, water, sewer, stormwater, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, so that, that, yes, I agree with you, but a lot of that is, is at a local level city by city, county by county. It's not federal socialism. If well, you if you go yesterday. to the highway system, I mean, you you, go, you can go to many, many different things. Social security, many different things that have social uh, socialism aspects to it. And it's not because we're a socialist nation. It's because some things it's more prudent uh, to treat as a whole uh, as far as the citizens. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think I think the problem becomes... Uh, whenever you let ideology take over and say, we're going to become 100% free market. Well, that uh, fails no. every time. We're going to become 100% socialist. Well, that fails every time. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, what's interesting is uh, uh, if you take that route of socialism, if you will, uh, the freeway system, okay? But the people voted for it. They wanted it. And it's made this country um, have a transportation system second to none. Um, well, at the time, anyway, and basically it improved our economy immensely because of the transportation aspects of it. Um, it's a phenomenally good thing there. I mean, if, if you call that 
socialism, but it's not, um, in some ways, not in our social life like Medicare, Medi-Cal, Medicaid, Social Security, unemployment, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. This is it's kind of a different realm, but yes, it is. I will admit it's some form of socialism. Well, well, well let's talk about who all benefited yep. from it. If if we didn't have the highway system we have, then we would have had a public transportation railway, and Americans wouldn't have had as much independence as far as being able to drive from here to there, and freedom of movement like we like in this country as opposed to what people have in Europe where the majority of them ride the train and things like that. Uh, the gas companies, the car companies. Ford was a big proponent of the highway system because he knew Americans wanted to drive around uh, independently, and they wanted to you know go to different states they'd never visited. So, I mean... It, it benefited a lot of people. The socialism well, was the aspect, and that's how it's paid for. Well, you know, the transportation of Cuba combined with their socialized medicine, people are extremely healthy, mostly because they have to walk all, every day to work. Well, <laughs> it, it's hard well, to look at Cuba from the outside. Cuba, look, put it like this. Uh, the one thing you got to say is you got the iron hand of the regime, limits, political thought limits freedom limit limits the press you got to throw that on the docket from day one if you're going to criticize cuba but the second part of it is you got to say wow they made some amazing innovations and some high climbs as far as a society with everything against them because the embargo and the trade restrictions really forced them to just kind of live on the land essentially so they, they kind of they did well uh despite <laughs> everything that they were facing, and I think we're going to see them become one of the biggest tourism spots uh, in the North Atlantic uh, in, a, in a little bit uh, as cash yeah, goes past and they I'll start to change the system. One. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm just being amused that uh, the reason why they're so healthy is because they exercise, and there's not much corporate uh, processed foods there. Um, for now. Care there. <laughs> for now, yeah, for now. There you go. It's coming. And, but no, yeah, if you're so, if you're born in Cuba, you get a doctor from day one. Every child there sees a doctor, has access to healthcare, so they get really good healthcare. They have a really good system as far as educating doctors and things like that. But no matter what, you can't get beyond. You're a small island with limited resources, and <laughs> there's only so far you can go. So I mean, mm-hmm. there was a time where Castro was uh, he was upset because some people had left the island, so he made a proclamation and yelled at people and said, okay, whoever wants to leave can leave. And people rushed over to the U.S. Embassy, putting their hand on it, just trying to get a finger on it to make sure that they could be counted as those that could leave. And he was so, so upset, he ended his speech. Now, when I say Castro ended his speech, you know he was upset. That man used to speak for six <laughs> hours at times. So wow. nobody should rule that long. And, and the fact that he's gone gives that country a chance now. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, that'd be interesting to watch. Well, yeah, well, if you have healthy people, your health care, even if it's socialized, is going to be pretty cheap. But I want to mention something nice. That, uh, and I love it when we're talking, because, man, you, you keep me on my toes. The, um, I've, I've brought on... And, and, and at the, uh, Kelly, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you seven minutes on this, and then I want to uh, bring up our final uh, topic for this evening, because then we've got to, uh, unfortunately, shut things down in about 20 minutes after that. So go ahead. I've been letting it get free-flowing, and uh, as the organic nature of the show goes, uh, but I didn't want to be able to, you know, at least for the people who listen to the podcast, expect to uh, discuss certain topics uh, when they see the title uh, to do that. Right. But, Sorry uh, if I so diverted we'll us to, for too long on that. 
you, you do that all the time, Naj. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding, Naj. We, we enjoy having you on your show, certainly. <laughs> well, well, we do say that we do have a, an organic nature of the show. We're, it does free flowing a lot, but we do uh, bring it back. But let's go ahead, Kelly. I'll uh, with what you were going out talking on. Go ahead. Well, well I want to encourage Naj to bring some guests on. Um, you know, just talk to Robert off air, and I've done this a number of times, but. Judge Gray on, and some other guests that we've had, Debbie Botscalupi, Agenda 21, others. I still want to bring others on, but um, my my little thing uh, is on hold, Robert, by the way, for a little while. Anyway, um, but, yeah, the, the Flint, Michigan, you have researched this, okay, and I'll bet you there's an engineer somewhere, uh, private sector that has contracts with the city. If It would be very interesting to bring him on the air if you reach out, get a hold of him. He's looking for uh, some place to uh, voice his opinion. And I think we'd have a really good discussion about Flint and all the situations there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I have to see if I can see if I can get access to somebody who would be uh who's knowledgeable and be willing to talk. But yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, and it's really easy to get that's just for the rest of the uh, panelists and other listeners. Yeah, you got somebody interesting? Get a hold of Robert, you know, Facebook uh um email, what what have you. Um, Robert, you should probably do your own plug where people can get a hold of you. But, yeah, this is uh, – it's it's fun to bring a guest on. Like when I brought on um, Sheriff Lopey here, our local sheriff. Uh, that was uh, the attorney Car- uh, Carson Tucker. Yeah, and that, that sheriff from – did you bring him on or did I – I think it was from Delaware – and we had two sheriffs on I the phone. You, you, you brought on most of the sheriffs. <laughs> I think if we had sheriffs on, you brought those on. Okay, but yeah, it, it's it's you know it's it's kind of fun to uh, you know, and, and the sheriff here called in. I was all excited, I'm like, gosh, yeah, he's called in. So, um, you know, pick somebody that wants. You know, most politicians they're they got to have their ego fed. So when they're on the air, they're getting their ego fed. So it's it's. it's I mean, Judge Gray, he ran, he ran, he was vice president of the candidate, Libertarian Party. We got him on. Uh, Virgil Good, Virgil Good, Robert, I think I think you were instrumental in getting him on. Um, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not hard to do. Yeah, we're still working on Bev, and I've been trying to get him back on. You know, when he was uh, running against McConnell, he, you know, he came on a couple times. And then, of course, he was running for governor. Uh, we had him on a few times there too, uh, but now he's governor, and I, I've been in contact and had a couple conversations with his press secretary, and <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get back with him. I've been you know working on the project too because, uh, in all their infinite wisdom, the uh, Sisters of Mercy decided to uh, work on closing my daughter's school in the next two years and merging it with another one. So I've been putting a lot of focus on on, on trying to. Save the school to keep it where it's at. Uh, so we've been, I've been working on that as well. Uh, so, but, yeah, I don't think how a man fights a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure yeah, you went up against that. him in the primary. <laughs> well, see, and that's one of the reasons why I, I have a problem with. Uh, oh, there's Susan. Uh, let's see here. I was getting ready to actually bring you up, Susan, about your um, – uh, let's see. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll post it on the page, um, Susan. But anyway, so what we've got uh, – uh, see, I, 
Susan, you just you distract me. I was going to. Uh... Oh, okay, Jehovah's Witness. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll get that posted, Susan. But anyway, uh, see, you just totally distract me. <laughs> but anyway, go go ahead, Kelly. You, do, you get the uh, the three more minutes on that. Yes. Uh, now, as you can all uh, reach me by uh, there's a contact page here on the uh, website of the show. It's www.bardslogic. Uh, uh, politicaltalk.com. Oh, well, we just lost Susan. Uh, politicaltalk.com, and there's a contact portal. Uh, you can contact me, send me an, an, an email address through uh, email through there. And uh, I mean, I've got your number here, but you know, I, I rarely write down people's cell phone numbers unless they, you know, they come up on the call screen unless they give me their explicit, uh, you know, okay to to be able to keep that. So, well, yeah. Another thing I just want to quick add, and then I'll yield, but. Um, Naj, when when you or even another listener does this, gets a guest, um, even if they're running for a local office, um, it's a lot of work, and uh, you'll have more appreciation for for what Robert does every week. And I'm sure Rob, Robert, there's weeks that you're too tired, don't want to do this. It takes a lot of dedication to work behind the scenes um, to really, you know put on a good show. Um, oh, yeah, man. I've, I've done a podcast before, so I know, man, uh, the whole oh, okay. idea of, uh, you know, uh, delegating stuff to your staff. Oh, wait a minute. I am the staff. So, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what a podcast Right, is. right. <laughs> yeah, my so, uh, my producer, what, what, wait, no, that, that's me. <laughs> my yep. press secretary, yep. oh, no, wait, that that's me. <laughs> and your sponsor? And your yep. sponsor? That, 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 that's me. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way it goes, man. Well, you know, maybe one day if uh, you know if I strike a rich or something. No, I did. I used to do the show back in 2012, five days a week, and, and you know that was during the, of course, the 2012 campaign. But uh, I, you know, at the time I was laid off, so I actually had, besides looking for uh, gainful employment, I uh, had more time on my hands. <laughs> so, and I mean, and I would spend good, you know five hours a day, if not more, doing uh doing show prep, uh to have the to have the shows each day. Oh yeah. I bet the tone of that show had some serious anger in it because you were dealing with real life issues and Mitt Romney was your candidate. I'm sure you were pissed off <laughs> on that show. Oh man, well let, let me tell you, there was uh well we had um yeah kinda I guess we're backtracking a little bit but that's okay. But anyway Oh yeah, so we had uh yeah, two thousand yeah, in two thousand twelve, yeah, yeah, certainly. Especially when we start uh talking about uh with third parties and like Virgil Good is that Kelly mentioned, uh he was running for president of uh for the Constitution Party. Uh and we had him on and we you know, we interviewed a number of uh like Constitution Party libertarians. And I tell you what, after Romney lost, you would have thought uh, by some of the comments we had that Bard's logic single handedly Cost uh, <laughs> Romney the election uh, by some of the calls. I even, I even got a death. Well, I even got one death threat. I'm not joking. Uh, and then I had uh, another dude, guy. That, that uh, is called, the favorite thing of party ideologues. If they lose, they go back to blame the people who said this candidate is good enough. Let me look for another option. So that's what the Dems are doing to Bernie supporters and Jill Stein supporters right now. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, we, we had a lawyer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna investigate you, and I'm gonna find out all the bad stuff about you. Well, I'm a lawyer, and you know he's gonna, you know, investigate me. And I was, jeez. Well, I'm still here. 
<laughs> but you know, but like, you know, Romney was the worst candidate to go up against Obama. We touted that for months. Uh, you know, and then you know, once we decided, you know, we, uh, you know, I, my point was, is that you know, I can't you know rail against this guy for months and then turn around and say, okay, I support him now because he's the Republican nominee. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's just what, that was just hypocritical. I couldn't do that. So, but we do. Uh, yeah, but we are still working on getting Bevan on. I'm sure. I'm sure eventually we'll we'll get him on. Yeah, with last time I talked to, to his uh, press secretary Woody, <clears throat> is his name. Uh, you know, he his uh, legislature was in session, so they're they're out now. I think they were out uh, since March first, or not first, twelfth. But anyway, so let me go ahead and it's about the hour and bring up Elisa. Uh, uh, the, the last topic, and you know, I talk about this a lot on the show because, uh, well, it's one of my favorite topics. And I know John's going to want to rail at me, but John, I don't know if I'm going to give you that opportunity tonight, buddy. But anyway, <laughs> I just made myself laugh and done that. But anyway, uh, is that of course uh, earlier this week or, or late last week, uh, Donald Trump signed a bill, uh, I believe, giving like 19 million dollars to NASA, uh, you know, towards uh, you know deep space exploration, including Mars. And uh, I've got an article here in Florida today uh, that I was going to you know, read a different article, but I, I like this one uh, better, frankly. Uh, but it's a Trump administration looking at lunar to the it's, – it's inclusive, not just uh, Mars, but uh, the moon as well. And, Kelly, I, I still have not had the chance. Maybe you could send me that information on what we discussed about you know NASA and some of the uh, – I don't want to call them conspiracy theories about whether we've been there and things of that nature, but I haven't had a chance to look at those and. I would, because to be honest, I'd like to debunk them. But anyway, it says the Trump administration looking at lunar spaceports. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. I watched those for amusement. And some of them are starting oh, okay. to get Yeah, I, you know, like <laughs> the flat earth. Oh, my gosh, the flat earthers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen <laughs> something like that on Facebook, yeah, where they – you know, they had the moon and the sun and how, the, I don't know. I didn't I didn't actually really look much of it. I just kind of seen a, somebody, a picture of some flat earther put on there. But anyway, so well, Washington, right, NASA has an effect. Well, here's, here's what, what I'm going with NASA is, is uh, why is it hammers and uh, cost uh, 800 bucks and uh, bolts? Well, that's know, Area 51. Well, they can fund Area 51, all the aliens. I have a suspicion. I have a right to be suspicious. Of course, I have to work hard to prove the facts. But, you know, is NASA is, – is, again, this is a suspicious question. It's not a statement. Is NASA funneling money to other budgets that the American people would not be happy with? I that's it's just it's a suspicious question. Well, I mean, I remember remember Star Wars, and that once upon a time that might have been, you know, a part of it. I'm sure you guys remember Star Wars with uh, with Reagan. But anyway, the space missile defense system. Anyway, so it says uh, Washington has officially scrapped its mission to use an asteroid as a stepping stone to Mars. But it's taking steps to chart a new approach that instead would rely on a spaceport circling the moon. Under a program dubbed Deep Space Gateway, agency officials Tuesday said they still plan to use the lunar orbit as a staging platform uh, to build and test the infrastructure and the systems needed to send astronauts to Mars. Uh, 
But instead of breaking off a chunk of asteroid and dragging it to the moon, NASA's new plan calls for building an orbiting spaceport that could have even more uses. It's a, it's a space airport, a mini station in essence, which serves as a gateway for missions both to deep space and the lunar surface. They're not designed for a permanent crew. The spacecraft would be equipped with a small habitat for astronauts, docking capability, and airlocks, and would be serviced by logistics modules to enable research, according to NASA. The gateway would uh, allow engineers to develop oh, – there you go, Kelly. See, they're bringing engineers uh, – to develop new skills and technologies that have evolved since the assembly of the International Space Station, which orbits the Earth, NASA officials said. No immediate cost estimates were available, but a variety of different government and companies would be expected to build, maintain, and use the facility. As here says, I envision different partners, both international and commercial, contributing to the gateway and using it in a variety of ways with a system that can move to different orbits to enable a variety of missions, said William Gerstemeyer, NASA's Associate Administrator for Human Exploration and Operation, said in a news release Tuesday. He said the gateway could support robotic or partner missions to the surface of the moon or to a higher lunar orbit to support missions departing from the gateway to other destinations in the solar system. The first mission to the new program will take place using the Saturn V-class space launch system rocket and the Orion spacecraft being assembled for the ultimate goal of reaching Mars. The first test flights of both components with no crew on board we're scheduled to lift off in late lift off in late 2018, but Robert Lightfoot, NASA's acting administrator, told employees the agency is studying whether to add astronauts to that mission, which could po- probably result in the launch no earlier in 2019. NASA's announcement about Deep Space Gateway makes no mention of an asteroid mission, which the Obama administration had touted as a relatively inexpensive way of testing the SLS and Orion and conducting deep space experiments valuable to a Mars mission. Under the mission, a spacecraft would visit an asteroid, break off a piece, and transport it to the lunar orbit. But a trip to an asteroid widely planned by Republican leaders in Congress who prefer a return to the moon essentially died when Donald Trump was president. The the 2018 budget outline the White House unveiled earlier this month canceled the asteroid redirection mission. NASA will investigate approaches for reducing the cost of exploration missions to enable more expensive exploration programs, according to the budget document. So not a long article, but that uh, was a different one that I picked that I was going to do uh, read from earlier. And that, you know, of course, as I stated earlier, which uh, a friend of mine told me, which gave me much happiness about him. And I know probably much consternation uh, to you, John. Uh, but I'm sorry, my friend, but it does cause me happiness <laughs> where uh, they're allocating uh, $19 billion to, uh, to NASA for their exploration space program. So there you have it. And let's go ahead. And we got about 20 minutes left in the show, so that means we have 15 minutes left before I have to close things out. Uh, so let's go ahead and, 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 and we'll uh, have some, some brief comments except from John. I'm just kidding, John. But uh, but no, but John, if, if you want to chime in, that's fine. But you know, we we, we know your stance on the you know the corporate, and so let's let's do something different if you, on on comments with that. You know, with that um, because the other uh, 
you know, we've heard what your what your other thoughts are on. So let's go ahead and bring it. And then we'll, what we can do is we can meld your comments on this as well as uh, your final thoughts. Each person gets about uh, uh, five minutes uh, there to uh, arrange or whatever they'd like. And then, unfortunately, we'll have to close things out. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, be able to get Jim uh, on the show next week. Uh, tell us uh, what he's been up to and uh, as well as get his commentary on our stuff. And, and, and Jim, of course, uh, you know, with the Wives to Vote USA, which I personally think was inter- instrumental uh, in, you know, exposing the electronic voter fraud uh, that was out there that I personally believe that, you know, again, was instrumental in letting the powers that be who had the full capability of stealing the election, uh, frankly, uh, by manipulating his electronic voting machine, but knew that, you know, folks such as Jim and, and their organization was keeping an eye on them, and they backed away from that, uh, enabling, you know, which I really think that Trump uh, you know, did uh, win the vote uh, because the people wanted it. So let's go. What we'll do is we'll start with you first, Naj, and then we'll go with uh, you, John, and then Kelly, and then I'll have to close things out. Uh, so as we say here, the mic is yours, Naj. Uh, yeah, anything uh, that has to do with NASA, uh, you, you're going to look at, you know, extra benefits that come from it. So the things they research and study, we end up getting consumer products or certain tech uh, that we wouldn't have had because the private sector uh, can't spend that amount of money and time uh, on research right, and development that's another that, good that NASA does. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's always going to be extra benefits from it uh, to kind of go to Kelly's question. Uh, the other part of this, though, I think you said $19 million. Was that the number? With a B, that's not $19 billion. $19 billion? Okay. Yeah, $2 million is so, not yeah, going to so do anything. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, yeah, so, so this will be interesting to see. Uh, we definitely need to divert money uh, to exploration, but the, the biggest part of this would be any space exploration in this day and age, there's a military function to it because the First Nation – to really militarize space, uh, we'll be able to either push around other nations or, you know, affect their satellites. And it'll be similar to when we came upon the atomic age. Uh, If you're the only nuclear power, you kind of control how things go. So whoever becomes the first to really militarize space, uh, you you really wield a a heavy weapon uh, out there on the globe. So, yeah, so this is going to be be real interesting. And, and, yeah, I'm glad that they're putting money into this. Uh, we got a lot of things that we spend a huge amount of money on that uh, don't give nowhere close to the benefit uh, that we'll get from this. So, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, great to, uh, great to hear. I'm glad, I'm glad I've got somebody on my side here now. <laughs> and then that's, and that's the point I've made in, in, in past shows as well. Uh, you know, a lot of the side benefits and technologies that we uh, have been able to get, you know, because of, you know, space like, you know, space exploration. And for that, you know, just like we mentioned earlier tonight about, you know, building the roads, building infrastructure uh, for the roads, you know, no one seems to have any, you know, problem with that because, you know, of the economic benefits of having roads. We even used, you know, the lack thereof for Cuba. You can see where they were at. Um and so, you know, but no one seems to have a problem, you know, with, with the roads, but then when they want to spend it on something that, I, in my opinion, uh, you know, equally helps or at least in a, in a large way does help the economy, uh, you know, with the tax dollars being spent on that, then I don't know why they – I don't know why, frankly, that I see a difference between the two. With that being said, let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, uh, John. 
oh, I'm so sad because, you know, when you use the government <laughs> as a weapon, force begets force. And therefore, psychologically, we're saying survival of the fittest, the strong eat the weak. We have to mutually agree where our government spends its money because it's all of us's money. Otherwise, you set up a trust account or a crowdfunding account, and you fund those individual projects on the, on the private market. Well, otherwise, John, and we're going to have to have a full show on this, but you can't, there's no way, there is no practical way. And if you can tell me a practical way where we can get the vote – and look, I, I like the idea of referendums. I love the idea of referendums. But if we had referendums for every budget, every allocation of funds, and every law passed, me and you would not be able to work for a living because we'd be spending all day reading bills and reading you know, budgets and, and looking over what should be allocated and what shouldn't. It's just – I mean in a direct democracy where we would have, have that, then – but we, we can't. No. It's, it would be untenable. Yeah, I agree. I agree with John in theory. It's just the problem is that's exactly why the bastards won't let us do it. This is a constitutional representative republic, yeah. and so therefore, you know, we all have to understand government doesn't fund anything. You're stealing from your fellow American, and, and you should be able to fund it in the private industry if it has any legs. Otherwise, the private industry doesn't think it's even worthy of investing and you know look at our budgets and all the people on unemployment and the people that are you know on welfare and stuff the current congress as well as the last 150 years have proven they do not have financial brains apparently because they run us in a ditch and the qe is nothing but inflating the stock market inflating values artificially that's another problem down the road anyway I am happy for you, though, and I do appreciate the space exploration. I just think it can be done without government funding it. What about okay, What about roads? You think the, the government shouldn't fund roads? Should, we, should the government fund the roads? The people deciding together as United States of okay. America. Who, who, who should fund the roads? It's about how we get there. How we get okay. there. When and, you and, start and how should we, how should we fund roads? When you disenfranchise a group, you can fund the roads by us having mutual assent. Because when you disenfranchise a group of your people and you use your government as a okay. weapon, it's, they decide to use weapons in put, order to get the government John, to stop overreaching. John, put that in practical terms. Well, I mean, I mean, put put it in practical terms. Say this is how this can get done without without it being us doing it by mutual assent. Give us an, an, an exact thing that that can be done, not a mutual assent. Well, are you saying we all vote for it? We all say, hey, we're going to give this money for the government, and we we're going to put a stamp on it and say this is what, uh, or we're going to buy a bond. You know that everybody who wants to be a part of it, they they can buy a bond. I mean, tell me specifically an action item. That could be done to to, to, to fund, let's say even for roads. We won't even talk about space exploration, but to fund roads. What would be something that would be an action item to do that? Robert, the only way to please all Americans is for allowing each and every American to participate in. There's the no final way to please every American. That's the thing. That that's a that, that's a utopia. There's no way you can please every American. There is no way that that's just a utopianism saying that we can afford to, to give everybody health care. We can't, you know, you so can't afford to give everybody health health care. That's a utop. That's utopian. 
Yeah, just like you, there's no way to make every American happy. There's just no way. You can make part of the people happy all the time, but you can't make everybody happy all the time. It, it can't right. happen. You're, you're saying that we don't all have equal privileges and equal immunity, I mean, and you, freedom of contract. You tell me where it's possible. Tell me where it's it's, it's it, John, I love you, man, but it's impossible for everyone in the nation to be happy. It's absolutely That's impossible, right. and it's impractical. No, it's There's not no way you can do it. It's, it's impossible. Hey, look, if, you do, if I'm going to say here's how to do it, somebody else is not going to like it, then we don't do it. Because if I'm going to run rough, well, then we're never going to get anything I'm done because you're never going to get 100% consent. Are you kidding? That's why Do you really that's think that's it's possible time. to get 100% consent? That's that's time. Time. Thanks, John. I mean, Kelly. That's how you get limited government. Absolutely. No. Well, here's the thing. Absolutely, absolutely nothing would get done because you're always going to have somebody who's going to oppose it. Every re- for, even even if you think it's the best thing, let's say people say, you know what, we should pay for, you know, we, you know, we should pay for, I don't know, you know, to help a baby get born or or whatever, or save a child. A child's going to die, and it, well, we we should help stop it. You're going to have somebody saying, I don't think you should do that. No matter what you're going to have, anything out there that you're going to have, you know, that people might think is the best cause ever, you're always going to have somebody that's going to disagree. So you're never going to get anything done. There is no way you can ever get uh, 100% mutual consent. There is no way that's ever going to happen. That's so why absolutely nothing will get done. Freedom of contract, you don't do things. But if the parties that are signed on don't get what they want, there's not valuable consideration, there's not promises, then it's an illegitimate contract, the agreement. Won't stand. That's how you get limited government. And if but how, how do you expect how do you expect anything to get done? Fellow Americans, then they're going to get mad and start fighting. That's what we're. How, how's anything going to get done, John? How's anything going to get done? And don't say mutual assent, please, because that doesn't say anything. I mean that that well, well, you, that, that doesn't say anything. How, how are you going to get that, that? That's the thing I'm trying I, to get. I, that, that, that. I respect you as an equal to be included and to have mutual assent, but you, because you want so bad to get what you want, you're willing to run roughshod over some of your fellow Americans in order to do it, and that's a problem. Um, John, um, John, I'm asking you how how can things how can things pr- get done practically? Because do you really think that people can can agree on everything, even one thing? Do you think there's what is the one thing that everyone in this country can agree on? Can have consent over. You don't steal from your fellow American. But what? But if somebody wants to, but then, no, there's people out there who would disagree with that. They say, no, if I if I can successfully take this without getting caught, I should be able to do it. Well, you don't think there's people out there who would think that way? If I'm not willing to extend the privilege to somebody else, then I don't deserve the privilege or right to for it myself. So if I'm going to say that it's okay for me to use the government to steal my fellow man's tax dollars and use it for what I want, then they have the right to steal from me. Otherwise, I can't mm-hmm. have the protection also. That's a hypocrite. Well, well, you know, we're going to have to well, – well, at this point, John, we'll have to, again, uh, be, be at the impasse because, I mean, we're still not going to get to how we can practically get something done. But we got to bring it over to Kelly. And thank you very much, uh, John. And, Kelly, let's go ahead and get uh, your final thoughts for tonight, and then I'll have to close things up for the evening. I, I was I was teasing you, Robert, about one at a time. 
And by the way, just oh no, it's know, okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> by the way, I uh, do like you, Robert. There's no hard feelings, brother. Iron sharp. Nah, iron me either. I don't, I don't hold it against you, we brother. Could probably, it's just the idea. Yeah, John, we could probably I, I spend an entire show <laughs> on that. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, I don't hold hold it against you either, Robert. That you voted for Gingrich. I mean, we forgive you for that. But that's, you know, okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, you know, to take the wind out of your sail, I got a unanimous resolution passed in the 2013 Libertarian uh, State Convention. Unanimous. So no dissenting vote. Anyway, but that's a whole other thing. All right. So you accuse me, you know, when yeah, you that's not an entire that, country. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, all right. We could do this all night. All right, so back to That's my point. Go ahead. <laughs> so back, back to uh, yeah, so you mentioned uh, engineer. Though well, there you go, Kelly. Well, I'm not that type of engineer. Uh, I'm a civil engineer, and, uh, you know, you're talking about air, aerospace engineers, um, you know, or, you know, aerospace engineers. Like one of the first ones were Warble and Wilbur Wright, you know, they got the plane off the ground first, and then, you had uh, Vernon Braun Braun, the German scientist slash engineer who got the V2 rocket. Um, that's the kind of engineer I'm not. Now, they, I think their job, though, is a little more sexy because you got these smart bombs and missiles. And, uh, well, us civil engineers, what do we do? We do completely different things. Our, our inventions, uh, except for water flow and pumps, pretty much uh, pretty much uh, st- sit still. You know, like you got a factory building, you got a bridge, you got, okay, what's sexy in that? You got, uh, you know, roads, you got buildings. So, you know, in time of war, um, it's just not very fun because um, the aeronautical engineers are making uh, bombs and missiles, and as civil engineers, we help make targets. <laughs> so, you know, it's like thinking back, what am I doing? It's kind of boring. All right. Anyway, I'm just, you know, I have a career that makes targets. Okay, fine. You know. <laughs> uh, anyway, a mechanical engineer told me once that that was funny. But anyway, um, it's kind of good to connect with everybody again. I think that's really, you know, we're testing each other and really keeping each other on our toes and, um, I hope uh, Mr. Jones uh, gets elected. Um, I wish I could. Well, I can. Guess I can listen to the podcast tomorrow. Frightening if I listen long enough that I can hear myself and wonder if I was drunk. <laughs> no, I'm sober. It I'm is sober. weird hearing yourself. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do I really sound like the guy? Really say that? And, and okay, we have an excuse. It's after dark, and and just you know. I don't think I would mind so much the NASA program if we knew where the money went. But just do not have Forrest Gump driving again. I just, sorry, you know, that's taxpayer money. <laughs> We're not going to have Forrest Gump run another Apollo 13. So I just, you know, if we can avoid that, count for the money, hey, yeah, let's go to space. So, but by the way, you know, they can, also, they can really save a lot of money by going into space. What what they need to do is make a teeny teeny tiny little micro sized spaceship and launch it into a politician's head. There's your space program. Yeah, that's uh, that's inner space. But anyway, there's a movie like that. 
But anyway, unfortunately, I'm going to have to uh, close things out. I want to thank everybody for coming to the show. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Uh, and sorry we missed uh, last week, but, you know, well, unfortunately, things happen. Uh, but we're looking forward uh, to that. Who knows what our topics will be? Who knows who we'll have on? It's one of the, I guess, uh, surprises here on uh, Bart's Logic, but we'll all be working on it, uh, that's for sure. And so, uh, again, uh, definitely, uh, you know, share uh, the link Alice Kelly suggested. You can either uh, do it here on Vlog Talk Radio, or you can also uh, share it by uh, going to on your your mobile device because uh, you can download the podcast free uh, on iTunes. Uh, so that's uh, that's good and available for you and it's convenient, and so you can find it there. And uh, you can also uh, take the link and uh, put in people's emails or or share it on Facebook or Twitter, whichever you're a, a user, and uh, would be well appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Naj, just send me that, uh, you know, some contact information so we could reach out, uh, maybe talk uh, offline uh, or off show or whatever uh, by going to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, and there's the contact portal as well as the uh, – uh, newsroom, Bard's Logic Newsroom, uh, where you can check out and subscribe to uh, the Bard's Logic Newsroom. But at this point, I will be uh, ending tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Uh, thanks again, folks. We will see you next time, and good night. Good night, all. All right. Good night, y'all. Take myself off.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.